Well, uh, that's the fan fiction segment done for today, which means it's finally time to talk about The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom for the Nintendo Switch. So that fan obviously system. happened before Tears of the Kingdom, leading up to it. <laughs> and let's yeah. hope that we never read fan fiction ever again because I hate it. Everybody in the chat, tell Ryan that you want to see more fan fiction. <laughs> no, no. Remind him that you... the most viewed videos in our channel are the Sonic Don't High fucking reading. say that! <laughs> Stop! It's not nice. Anyways, <laughs> I, I'm just playing to what the crowd wants, baby. No! <laughs> and the crowd wants to see Ryan cringe in embarrassment. Oh. But anyways, Tears to the Kingdom came out this year. And I also want to mention, since I've been trying to get us, trying to schedule a podcast for a while, that, and I don't know if you guys are going to agree with this, but is 2023 the best year in gaming that we've had since we've been doing this? Yes. It's not over yet, so I don't know. I think definitely (laughs) it is on track to be. Yeah, on track, sure. I think 2017 came pretty close, though. Mm -hmm. I, I ended up missing a lot of the like I missed Persona Five when it came out, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I mean that was a pretty good year too. It, didn't Xenoblade Two come out that year? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I was surprised to see that when I played. It, it was like, wow, this game's six years old already. Yeah, five plus years rather. But yeah, they, I mean it's been a pretty good year in gaming. And um, I guess why don't we start with you, gentlemen? What in simple terms did you guys think of Tears of the Kingdom? Oh, I hated it. Yeah, same. Please check out our YouTube channel for. (laughs) (laughs) What did you guys really think of Tears of the Kingdom? I hated it. Yeah, same. (laughs) (laughs) Was it good? Yes. Is it the best Zelda ever made? No. But is it really good? Yes. But is it very yes? Is it flawless? <laughs> no. We'll get into that. <laughs> Listen, I okay. So I like Tears of the Kingdom a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are saying, "Oh, I don't know if it was worth the six-year development uh, DLC." Blah 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 blah. For me, this game was worth the six years. I could see mm-hmm. why it took so long. I think this game, in a lot of ways, is brilliant. Yes, but it's also baffling. How do you say it? Baffling? Baffling. Bafflingly stupid. It is <laughs> stupid. And it really makes me question some of the people on the team. It's like it's you had five big, years. Fat phony. You had six years to figure some of this shit out. And yet yeah. there's still some stuff that is like like you could like you could literally jump from the highest point in the game all the way to the lowest point of the game with no loading screens whatsoever on the fucking potato that is the Nintendo Switch. That is amazing. But yes, some of the stuff like regarding the UI and like just being able to like throw consumable items and menu navigation is so dumb. I love Tears of the Kingdom. I think it is a much better game than Breath of the Wild. But there's some there's some really stinky bits that kind of kind of make me question some things. I was playing through it and I was thinking to myself, oh, wow, this could actually probably be my game of the year. It probably still could. You know, I was Mm -hmm. in that honeymoon phase. But the more I played it, the the more I started to fall out of that honeymoon phase, and I started to realize that this game is kind of, I mean, it's got issues. 
Oh man, she's got issues and I'm gonna pay. <laughs> but we, we can get into it later. Yeah, I have to say, I agree with uh, your points and some of the flaws and things that should have been fixed. But I, I prefer to start with positives. We can circle yeah. back around to those. Well, I don't agree yeah. with any um, of you. I hated it. <laughs> man. Well, as for me, you... I've made no secret on this podcast and on my channel that really wasn't a huge fan of Breath of the Wild when it came out. I like nature deserves to exist, but that doesn't mean I like being in it. <laughs> so a nature themed <laughs> Zelda game was kind of fighting an uphill battle as it was. And I'm still not convinced that this new formula can really replace the old one. Mm hmm. I still like the classic Zelda formula. I think it just needed to be updated a little bit. And I feel like uh, Link Between Worlds did provided a model for what that could look like. I agree. As far as this new formula goes, I think when I, I actually replayed Batwa when we were originally going to do our podcast on it, which we've tried to record like four or three or four different times. And for whatever reason, it just never got uploaded. I can't remember. And because the one we recorded was with Paul, we'd probably have to redo it. And I haven't replayed Skyward Sword in a hot minute. So I'd need to do that before we do another podcast on that, which we also haven't done yet. But I think the big thing for me with Batwa was number one was getting over kind of the shock of the transition because it is a very different game to the previous ones in many ways. And it's not something I was necessarily asking for like many other people were, but on a second playthrough, I got used to some things I didn't like. For one thing, I knew you could upgrade your inventory that time. <laughs> <laughs> I went through the, I beat calamity Ganon without ever learning that Hestu expanded your inventory when I played it the first time. So that was a pain, <laughs> which yeah. meant that the, um, Limited inventory space didn't bug me as much the second time. I understood kind of the combat and what people found appealing about it more. I appreciated some of the uh, storytelling details that were in it that were kind of like under the surface. Like when you go into the castle and you read Zelda's diary and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it the game got better for me in a second playthrough. It still is, wasn't my favorite thing in the world. I think there are some real problems with when... I was going to school for game design, and this is, when I do this, folks, I'm not trying to say that I know better than you or anything, I'm just saying that, I'm just trying to use it to contextualize something I'm about to say. Uh, because going to school for game design does not mean that you have better opinions about video games, it just means that you understand how the sausage is made a little bit, that's all. Okay. Um, <laughs> design 101, we were getting an introduction to level design, which is a huge complicated topic, and I suck at level design. But one of the things, a golden rule of thumb we were given was if you have space in your map that isn't doing anything, it's better off not being there. And I can kind of show, visually show you guys an example in the video version of this, but like imagine a square room that has like two corridors going in at like a 45 degree angle. So like you walk into the square room, then you turn left to go down another corridor. If there's nothing in that boxy shaped room, you're better off like shrinking that space so that it serves the absolute function it was intended to. It's kind of hard to explain in words, but hopefully you guys understand the gist of what I'm saying. And with Breath of the Wild, I tended to find that the game is big. And that's another thing. I've I have developed an appetite for open world games. They're still not my favorite thing, but I get them now. 
because I've played a few that I liked. I liked uh, Sonic Frontiers. I liked the uh, Spider-Man game, even though that's really more of a sandbox type thing, but it's the size of Manhattan. It's not small. (laughs) I really enjoyed that game. Tried the Xenoblade games and finished all three of those. Three of the four. I did not play X. (laughs) So I get this genre a little more. And after having played like Xenoblade 1, where the open world serves no purpose except to get into random encounters and pick up trinkets. Like, there's no puzzles, there's no real worthwhile side quests. Like, there are tons of side quests, but it's always like, bring me five dong waffles or kill five copy bars. That's like all of the side quests in Xenoblade 1. After having played that, I came back to Tears of the Kingdom and I was like, wow, there's way more actual content <laughs> in this game than there was in Xenoblade 1 in particular. And that was that was kind of my big hang up with bot was still the second time I played it was I felt like you had shrines, you had divine beasts, you had Hyrule Castle and the towers, too. And that to me was kind of the only content I really felt was worth pursuing in Botwa in terms of like stuff to do is it's like you got the Korok seeds, but after a while that economy inflates so much that you need like 24 seeds to buy one slot. It just goes out of control really quickly. So after a while, it's just not worth your time anymore. At best, they're kind of okay content. But it's like the shrines have like actual design little sequences for you to go through that use your runes and stuff. The towers, sometimes you had to figure out how to get to them and then climb up them. Hyrule Castle was my favorite part of the game overall because it was like, I think a good blueprint for what dungeons should look like in this new Zelda formula. And then the Divine Beasts were somewhat close to classic dungeons, even if they weren't my favorite thing in the world. But it's kind of like the rest of the game just felt really empty to me, where it's like I can pick up bugs and gemstones and stuff. But, you know, besides upgrading your armor, it's like, why am I grabbing all this stuff? Where's the content? Why, why did the game need to be this big? That was kind of my where I landed. And what I liked about Tears of the Kingdom, just to kind of... The reason why I really enjoyed this game, where I only sort of enjoyed Breath of the Wild, is I felt like there was way more actual content to do in this game in terms of like actual real side quests with developing storylines, the caves, the bubble frogs, the sky islands that kind of serve as their own little level almost. Yeah, it just it just felt to me like this was Batwa, but better, like in terms of actually playing it. And I actually did all of the shrines, all of the light roots, and upgraded a bunch of my armor and stuff. Found like all but 90 of the bubble frog gems. Did a whole bunch of the side quests. Like I played this game for 125 hours. Shit. I want you to know, Exo, that you have played far more than I have, <laughs> which is kind of crazy to me. Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah, guess that's I, a I- testament. I put 70 hours in this game and I was able to beat it and I did like 105 of the shrines. So yeah, I'm consider me yeah, impressed. It was probably around the same that I did. Yeah. So I did not get all the shrines in Batwa. At, like after a certain point, I got enough hearts and I just went for Ganon and that was kind of it. And then the game kind of picks up there because Hyrule Castle is my favorite part of that game, but it's still, it's kind of like, I don't know. This game has flaws that I really want to discuss because I feel like not a lot of people are talking about them. But overall, I enjoyed this game. Even though there might be better games that come out this year, I'd be hard-pressed to think of one. Like, I gave it an 8.5 on my games I played this year thread on Twitter. 
but I suspect that even if I play something I rated higher, like I think I rated Resident Evil 4 Remake a 9, I think I'm probably going to make Totka my game of the year. What? On the end of your podcast. Totka? <laughs> yeah. Totka. How does that... Totka? I mean, you could say Totka if you want. <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totka. Bot one Totka. Where's the K come from? The K. Wouldn't it just be Tot? Where's the K come from? I mean, I from? guess you could. <laughs> Well, where does the ah uh, and Botwa come from? I don't know. I don't even know who said Botwa. <laughs> to be fair, I don't even say Botwa. <laughs> well, it's it's easier than saying BOTW or Breath of the Wild. It's just say Breath of the Wild. It's just what it's called. Yeah, it's more respectful than Breath of the Fart Cloud. <laughs> and I guess mm. I guess Tatka is more respectful than Tears of the Fandom. But hey, here we are. <laughs> that was. That was a JebTube original, everyone. Uh, actually, I came up with that joke. You did? Yes. I think, I want to say I was there for this conversation. You were. This an- it was in the Sonic Frontiers podcast. That's it. Yes. Yeah. All right, King, You. it's time for you to I say am, what your yes. actual opinion of this game is. I hated it. King, would you please tell me what you thought of Tears of the Kingdom? <laughs> well. You want to talk about Sonic's cock know. and balls? In, yeah. That's my opinion. (laughs) If you must know, um, I thought it was lovely. Elaborate. Uh, In how many directions? There there are like 20 different things I could say. Uh, Give us like an introduction. All right, everybody. Tears of the Kingdom, I think I've been thinking about it. I'm probably still going to be thinking about it for at least a month to get my head straight. I'll be transparent. There are a lot of things that I am not decided on one way or the other at the moment. I might be a little wishy-washy today because like Mm -hmm. this game is one of the biggest games I think I have ever played in my life in terms of density. Like it is a little bit overwhelming. I I still feel like there's an entire game left for me to play almost, Mm -hmm. even though I feel like I've done more than I did in Breath of the Wild already. So it's like kind of staggering and uh, like colossal in its scope. But I think at the moment, I'm pretty like enamored with it. Maybe it's a honeymoon. I don't know. I have to ask myself that with like every new game release. But uh, I don't know. It's kind of like this journey of traveling to a new form of Zelda has been a lot to come to terms with over the years. Yeah. And, you know, there's definitely always going to be a part of me that yearns for that old classic style as well. Yeah. And it uh, it makes it very hard in my mind to even compare what they're doing now to what they used to do because as it currently stands, it feels so foreign that it it's just kind of feels like its own thing now. Yeah. So I guess to make a long story short, Tears of the Kingdom for me has been a journey of letting those old expectations rest and kind of just rolling with whatever they're going to do now and seeing whether the new things that they do were executed well or not. And that's basically where I'm at, where I think that for the most part, uh, I think that they've, they really found their footing even more so than breath of the wild. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think it's a lovely game. Um, I think because like we've talked about this before and I don't remember if it was like an actual thing that we uploaded or if it was one of the cut episodes, but like we've talked about how Breath of the Wild kind of feels like a Zelda flavored open world game. And I think yeah. Tears of the Kingdom is 
the same in that sense, but I think that the it has more of a stronger Zelda flair, if that makes any sense. I'm gonna let you finish, but I do I do want to make one note. Yes. Supposedly all of these tunics were also in Batwa, but you needed like an amiibo. Yeah, amiibo oh, you're talking about like the legacy ami- or uh, costumes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like you either needed an amiibo or you needed to get all of the shrines and then you got like the tunic of the wild or something. Yeah. The game feels different when you're wearing that stupid green tunic. It does. <laughs> it, it feels like a Zelda game. Well, actually, right now in Tears of the Kingdom, I'm wearing the Twilight set because I got the full set. And it, oh, yeah. it, it, it feels kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. It's just a stupid it, little thing, but like it, it does feel kind of cool to wear the old armor. Yeah. Like what I what and I would honestly, do it, with it, uh, it looks really good on him. Yeah. <laughs> with the tunics. In Breath of the Wild and in this one, I got like that Hylian tunic, just like the red one that you get. And I found the Ocarina of Time hat, headpiece, whatever. So I just mm-hmm. turned I turned that tunic green. I wore the hat and it just kind of made it look like a, a new version of a new version of Link. So it wasn't mm. like Twilight Princess Link or Ocarina of Time Link. It was just like this own little new little thing so i was like oh wow yeah no this is cool and then like you get the hylian shield and the master swords like oh yeah i know where i'm at this is zelda woo (laughs) yeah yeah and it's like i i think the armor system is worth keeping around like all the permutations it adds to combat and exploration don't get me wrong folks i'm just saying there is something about wearing seeing that little hat bob in the breeze and seeing like the boots and stuff that make you feel like this is a Zelda game in a way that most of the outfits don't. Mm-hmm. But that's just kind of how it is. But anyway, as you were saying. Well, no, I was just saying that like it's with this game, it's like the dungeons or the temples feel a bit more Zelda E. A lot of the enemies are like call back to the classic Zelda enemies. Like we got like likes back. We got the fucking Gleox from Zelda one. Those are really cool. Gleox are pretty cool. Pull. Honestly, mm-hmm. like they're pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. And I feel like as if also the side quests are a lot more meaningful than they were in Breath yes. of the Wild. It's yeah. like not yeah. not every single side quest is a Terrytown level side quest, but some of them come pretty close. There are some definitely, of them genuinely I was about to close. say that. There are a lot that have a similar scope to Terrytown, whereas in Breath of the Wild, like I'm sure that there are a few side quests that I like have forgotten about, but like Terrytown was really the only one that even approached like you do multiple things in a row and do this, you know, huge thing. Mm-hmm. And Tears of the yeah. Kingdom feels like it has way more of that going on in its side quest. There's a whole new section called Side Adventures, seemingly because yeah. they realize that they're just better than side quests are. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was like. And imagine if you played through uh, Breath of the Wild and never found the Terrytown side quest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Twice. Because that's what happened to me. I never found that quest. Like, I think you have to buy the house in Hateno Village or something. Yeah. Then they let you build the town or something. Yeah. I I just never had the cash to build that house, so I never saw the Terrytown side quest. Because when I found Terrytown in this game, I was like, this wasn't here before. So, And then I looked it up and I was like, oh. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, in yeah, this so- game, like, they have the Terrytown, like, equivalent, you might say, is, like, you rebuild Luralin or whatever, and you do basically oh, the exact yeah, yeah. same steps. You get logs and shit, and you build the houses. But then that's just, like, a footnote, because there's also, like, you go to every stable in the game with, like, a reporter, and then there's, like, you know. Yeah. There are these, like, huge-ass 
side quests that just span the like pretty much every major area you go to probably has one of them there it's really cool i like it it reminds me i i played a couple of those stable quests and that stupid bitch wouldn't give me any of my froggy armor <laughs> i i have like two sets of it i think i still haven't done that yet shit and i still haven't done the lorelo village yet lorelo whatever it is the one of the beach with the pirates yeah i still yeah. haven't done that yet <laughs> i got the the wind waker tunic there the lobster one. Oh yeah <laughs> that's pretty cool yeah, and then there are also, like, the monster hunting side quests where you, like, go into an enemy base with a bunch of guys and kill Bakoblins. Yeah, those were cool. Well, those are especially cool when you get, like, a little army behind you. Yeah. I like that. And then when you have, like, the with you. Yeah. Also spoilers. When well, you have all the <laughs> it feels like you're a fucking walking army. Yeah. yeah. Which I well, talked about that. Uh, but I do think that that does help a little bit with the balancing when you're fighting a whole bunch of enemies because like there was a section in a, well, let's say the late game where I used one of the to single-handedly take out like an army of mooks and save my weapons not have to break them mm-hmm. so I could save them for the final boss and that felt pretty cool there's another observation I want to share about that but I'll save that for spoilers and I also want to call attention to the caves as well mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, the side ventures are great. Like, there's one where there's, like, an election in Hateno yeah, Village. That was, yeah, that was cool. pretty interesting. I like, that one. I like how you can make pizza in the game. Yeah, that was so, I like that, too. <laughs> I literally, like, literally, I was just like, I got cheese, I got sauce, I got wheat, or, you know, tomatoes, make whatever. The pizza. And then I'm like, I wonder, I, I was just curious. I'm like, I wonder what this would do. And then, sure enough, I made a fucking Hylian pizza. I'm like, oh, oh, man. <laughs> The game also has caves and wells now. Like, um, I'm sure that there probably were wells, but you probably couldn't go in them in Batwa if they were there at all. But it's like now, and, and for me, that was the real game changer as far as Hyrule goes, where it was like before you'd climb up a mountain or something and then there would be nothing there. You might find some like plants to pick for cooking or you might find some bugs or whatever. But you, there's a lot of s- just like empty space in Batwa. And I feel like adding the caves made me actually want to explore all of that space mm-hmm. then you'd like find a cave and it'd be like oh where does this go and then there'd be a couple of enemy encounters that's a good place to find flint and gems and amber oftentimes there might be a mini boss in there and then sometimes there are shrines those are the worst shrines in the game by the way we'll talk about that <laughs> and then sometimes you might even find a piece of armor in there which is always really satisfying where it's like yeah. Hey, because I went to this cave and played this bit of structured content, now I can climb 2% faster. And that felt good. Like, that's that's the kind of core game loop you want in I a game like this. I think the reward like, structure in general is a lot better because in Breath of the Wild, they sort of just gave you powerful weapons. Yeah. In this game, they can't really do that because of the way the weapon system is designed. So they have to give you, like, powerful materials or, like, legacy armor. It just feels a lot better to find stuff because yeah. of that. Yeah. There are also the labyrinths from, like, there are the three labyrinths in Batwa. Lome, Tebra, and the desert one. And from what I can remember, you pretty much just wander around them and guardians shoot at you or something. And then there's a part where you go underground. Or you could use Revali's Gale to go all the way up to the top and uh, find yeah, the exit. That's pretty much what, what I, I did, did every time. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I have, I guess I played a little bit more by the book than you guys did, but uh, I mean, I guess that's part of the charm of that game and this game is that you have a pretty broad 
toolkit to work with, and it's kind of fun to try to find ways to break it. I found with the tools that were given to you in this game, it's a lot easier to break the game in half. Well, I was going to say that that's actually kind of my favorite thing about the game is that it feels like in Breath of the Wild, like, don't get me wrong, I think it was designed for you to do things in multiple different ways. But I think with Tears of the Kingdom, they looked at it and they're like, we're going to do this with the entire game on a scale that has never before been seen. Because Mm -hmm. it really feels like you can walk into like most areas or even most shrines and they're I have a hard time sometimes in shrines even figuring out what the intended solution was because a lot of them were built to be like, uh, just kind of get your way to the end however the fuck you want. You know, that's really cool. I have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was about to say, too, like I have like a lot of clips of me just kind of like like saved on my switch of me just like finagling and messing around trying to see what works. And like I remember when I realized I could like attach a minecart to my shield that just changed the entire game for me i'm like oh no the amount of like shrines that like involve you like grinding on rails or like making like contraptions that you know move from place to place on the rails the fire temple all of that just got completely like shot in the butt when i put the minecart on my shield and i was able to just go that was so fucking cool I never thought to do that. Yeah. You can, if you put like a roller on your shield, you can make it into a skateboard. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and it's cool because they, it's staggering how much went into probably making this game because there are interactions that happen that I don't even want to really think about what it probably took to get like, if you put ice meat on your shield, you will have less friction when you go down slopes Mm -hmm. when you shield oh my god and shit like that and that's like basically in every fusion combo that exists there's considerations like that like if you put a bomb on your shield and do a shield surf it will explode and propel you into the air like a like a basically a Rivali's gale that you just kind of throw out there like a giant trampoline yeah you can do that in trampolines (laughs) too if you put it on your shield which is true it's fucking insane yeah i guess it it shows i have an uncreative mind because i never considered trying most of those things See, and I think that's also, like, I mean, touching on the shrines a little bit, I think that, like, even, like, some of, like, the lesser shrines, not counting, like, the tutorial ones, but, like, even some of the weaker shrines are just, like, better than the majority of the shrines that Breath of the Wild had. Yeah, basically. Like, there were, you know, the combat trials were a lot more interesting here because, like, every single one was, like, a different version of Eventide Isle, where, like, you're stripped of all of your gear and you have to, like, figure it out on your own, and... I also found that they were just a lot more flexible. You know, you can, like, there were many, many ways to solve these. And, you know, Breath of the Wild had that as well, but, like, it wasn't to this extent. It really wasn't to this extent. It was in Breath of the Wild, but most of the time, to do that, you had to, like, wind bomb or some shit that clearly nobody ever knew you'd ever be able to do. Indeed. I, I, if I've, I had to, there were a lot of shrines that were just Roru's blessings. That is Red, true. Like, There's probably more of those than there were in Breath of the Wild, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Though there was one I thought was pretty creative where it looks like Aurora's oh, blessing, yeah. but then you walk forward. <laughs> and then the floor just falls. Like, yeah, which is creative. Yeah. I'm trying to see Whoa. if I have any notes. I don't think I ever encountered that. Where do you get that one? It's in the. I don't remember. It's in the. <laughs> there are 152 of these. It's in the sky, and it's near. It's in the sky. It's in the Gerudo area. If I remember correctly, it was right before the labyrinth. 
Huh. So it's like you find a shrine like in that area in the sky. You go in, and it's like you walk up a set of stairs, and then the stairs just like fall down, and then you fall down, and you have to make your way back up. Yeah, that it almost sounds familiar, <laughs> but no, I don't know. Hmm. But it's it's just funny because you're just so used to them handing out these rulers' mm. blessings that when it happens, it's like kind of a fun little surprise. Yeah, you got me, game. And it's like I I, I particularly really enjoyed the build puzzle ones where it was just like like you said king you get like a collection of ingredients and then you just got to figure out how to get the thing across the thing like there's one where you have to like slide ice down a bunch of spikes Mm -hmm. and then like take an ice cube and whittle it down into a size that will fit in a hole using fire the there's one i remember where there's like six there's like two sets of rails on the sides and then another set in the middle and you have to build a a, something that can travel across those three sets of rails using fans and you got to consider the weight of the vehicle as well and the mass and you got to make sure that it doesn't tip over when it switches to the rail in the middle and that it also has enough momentum to curl around and yeah that's actually reach the end of the shrine probably my favorite shrines in the game and then there was another one where you have to like attach a bridge. You have to like build a little moving platform and attach a bridge to it and then push it through lava. Mm-hmm. Like there's, yeah, yeah. there's just a lot of creativity going on in these shrines. And that's, that's what makes them fun is that there are multiple solutions. Like if you're good enough, you can actually walk on those rails. Yeah. Yeah. I, did I saw Abif do that. I did that as well. Yeah, and then there's there's like mirror light puzzles and wind puzzles. There's just all sorts of stuff that they managed to. I don't even remember most of the shrines in the last game. Like it's it's hard to think of a specific one, even though like that game similarly had like here is four mechanics and use these for the whole game kind of deal. It's like the Ultra Hand has a lot more versatility than the Magnesis Rune, which is kind of what it's building off of. Mm-hmm. And then the ascend ability is kind of creative because you got you can figure out how to like place platforms to use that to get up. Like there's just a lot more you can do with well, the, I think the that, core yeah, mechanics. It, the thing about Tears of the Kingdom is that it is elevated by its central mechanics being a lot fucking stronger than they were in Breath of the Wild. And I mean stronger in the sense that they work better. I think I used all four of my abilities an equal amount in Tears of the Kingdom, whereas in Breath of the Wild. I mostly use like magnesis and bombs. I kind of use stasis sometimes when they needed me to. And then cryonis was like, if I was stuck in a lake, maybe I would use cryonis. But in Tears of the Kingdom, it's like you, there is a legitimate use case for any of these fucking abilities at any given time. And it's kind of amazing because like recall, I thought I might not use too much, but (laughs) then I learned that recall has infinite range. Like, if you drop something off of a sky island and it hits the ground, you can recall it back up. That's how big the range is on it. So, like, mm. you could be when I learned that, I'm like, holy shit, you can basically do fucking anything with recall. <laughs> like, holy shit. It's crazy. I guess the gripe that I have, and this also kind of goes in regarding like the weapon durability and the forging uh, mechanic that's in the game, is that. Yeah. I like the new tools. They have much more use than they than the ones in Breath of the Wild. At the same time, I was also left wondering where those tools went. I thought like th- there were yes. many situations where I'm like, oh, I wish I actually had the Cryonis thing, or I wish I had the the remote bombs 
Good Lord, did I wish I had the remote bombs on many, yeah. many, many occasions. That was a genuine problem with the Zelda games. And like it was it was fixed in A Link Between Worlds where item consumption was done via a meter so that you never ran out of bombs or you never ran out of arrows. And then it was kind of expanded upon a little bit in Breath of the Wild where it was literally an app on your fucking phone. You, you press a button, you get a bomb. <laughs> Super useful. Just like Persona 5. Yes. <laughs> but and then in this game, they kind of went back to what, a, what it used to be like before where now you have to like, you have to go underground, you have to find bombs, or you have to buy bombs and everything like that. And I just, I kept running out of them way more than I felt like as if I should, because like, you know, the underground area is really cool, but there's also now a lot of mining. So now you get, you can, yes. you can get into this predicament where if you don't have a weapon that can smash through rocks and you are all out of bombs, you're shit out of luck. There's nothing you can Unless really do. I will raise you because I see where you're coming from. I actually was there. Yeah. the mm-hmm. beginning of the game and i completely disagree with you now having played the game more just <laughs> to be straight up i i just do because mm-hmm. i i was thinking about it a lot and it was kind of weird that they like took away bombs as an ability until i kind of realized that it's because they don't want you to rely on it as a resource like i think it's less so that they wanted to make it limited and more so that they have cr- they have made so many different ways to interact with these things than just chucking bombs at them that bombs become kind of like a luxury if that makes sense sure this clicked into place for me when i realized you could shoot ice arrows at water and they would become platforms and then you have cryonis Mm -hmm. and when i realized that you could do that i was like oh well really your old abilities are all still there because recall will stop things in time temporarily before it recalls them it kind of does what stasis does and then you can shoot ice into the water to create ice platforms. And sure. then that becomes Cryonis. And really the only thing missing, I guess, is the bombs, which you can also like there's fucking rock. You can trip over rocks in this game and you can basically <laughs> make ways to mine shit in mm-hmm. any way you want. And if you get the fucking I can't even say who they are, but the ones that you can, you know, do stuff. I was going to bring that up. Then that becomes like your mining machine. And there are other sages that can do similar things. And it's like. Mm-hmm. The more I played the game, the less that ever became an issue. And I was like, actually, I think this is kind of incredibly constructed. That so. is fair, because I didn't do the thing that you're talking about, because I frankly, I never thought to do it until literally you just said it. But what you were saying about the oh, ice Oh, I arrows, would hate to have gone through this whole game and not thought of using mine rocks. I well, wasn't even talking about when, <laughs> but when yeah, you. But yeah, he also works. When you were talking about the ice arrows... This is the problem that I have in Tears of the Kingdom, or no, excuse me, in Breath of the Wild, you had your fire arrows, you had shock arrows, ice arrows, you had the magic rod, you had elemental weapons. Those were cool. I don't think there was any reason for them to be cut because you're like, yes, they are still technically in the game, but if you want to use them, you have to use this, this, what, what is it called? The forging thing? I see well, where you're going, and I agree with you there. I think the UI for this shit is extremely clunky, and I well, wish that they had reconsidered yeah. now, if, it. If there was... Like, I don't think the system that we have here is a bad idea in and of itself. Well, if there was an actual crafting system where it's like, oh, you have uh, 10 of the, the ice fruit things. Would you like to craft them into arrows? Boom, 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 boom. You got 10 frost arrows now. You know, yep. like how it is in like yeah. other games. That is definitely, yeah, a big you problem know? with the game. And again, like with the rods, and I, I think like where 
this kind of picks up. It's like, what you know, you can now attach other things to magical rods and it gives it different properties. Like I remember I attached one of the little star bits that or one of the, the falling stars onto a magic rod. And then you have like this thing that just shoots out like like fucking star blasts all over the place. That was really cool. <laughs> That was really cool. Yeah, it's like the star rod from Kirby. Yeah. I, I thought that was really cool as well until I realized that it basically did nothing. But mm-hmm. it was, it was kind of cool, I guess. But like, I don't know. It's just like, I don't understand why, for one, the UI has to be this bad. And again, just kind of like going into what I'm talking about. Like we were yeah. talking about all these really, really cool abilities that must have been a pain in the ass to program, you know? Like this game was delayed an entire year just to make sure the game works properly. <laughs> so it's like, you took all this time to make all of these really cool abilities, making sure they all work well, but like the UI is just so bad. And there are just some things that are just like, that just went right over their head. And that's not even yeah. talking about like the, I don't really think this new mechanic fixes the weapon durability system. If anything, no, it's I like flat out disagree with. It's like, it makes it kind of the same where it's like, okay, well, I got these really cool, powerful weapons or uh, the materials from like Lionel's and shit. But do I want to use them because they're kind of rare and they break? <laughs> and if when you attach it to something, it's gone forever. Yeah, yeah I understand yeah. that, but I definitely disagree. And I honestly kind of just think that that is just that is just kind of how naturally a lot of people are going to react to a system like this. Mm-hmm. Because like I don't know how you have a system like this where you, like. Because the problem even with this game is that now you can do the thing where you can stockpile like a basically infinite weapons because you always have the materials for it. Yeah. And there's always a base somewhere out in the world that you can pick up and you can make anything into any weapon, but they still break, right? But that Mm -hmm. you have even more weapons than you could have ever imagined having in Breath of the Wild. But does that fix it for a lot of people? I don't know. If definitely for me, I think it's a better system, but- there's still, like you said, going to be a subset of people that are like, well, I don't want to use my powerful tools. And I don't, I don't know that it's an interesting thing because I don't really know. People suggest like, well, why don't you just let people repair weapons? But then like you have like a million weapons. So like, is it just like a psychological disconnect? Like, I don't know. Well, again, like I think the biggest stinger is that again, there's not really any way to gauge your weapons durability. Yes. And if they were, if there was just like, I don't, I don't really think there'd be a, this should have been the first thing they fixed from Batwa. And it's like, like just put a fucking meter underneath each weapon to show how much durability they have left. And also like what they could have done at the very least, like, let's say you fuse a weapon with a material, right? At that point, if you fuse it, Maybe you can't, like, you can't upgrade it, you can't fix it, because, like, it's, you know, you had to go through that process. But the thing is with this game is that, like, you also find weapons that were in the other game, like uh, the Royal Blades or the Traveler Swords or, th- you know, things like that. But they are made to be much, much weaker than they were in the previous game to kind of enforce the new mechanic, you know? It's like now all the weapons are, like, grimy and gross, and they're a lot weaker than they were before. So why, you know, if... You could go to the depths and find like normal untainted weapons, essentially. But like, why wasn't there at the very least, like maybe a process that like, if you had a dirty weapon, if you took it to like a shop or something like that, that you could clean that up. So that way it's, it's back to normal or like just with the base weapon. Cause they you, weren't dirty. They were corroded, corroded, excuse me. But you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Where it's well, like, I guess what I, what I'm curious about is what for these solutions, right? 
Yeah. I, and I'm this is a genuine question, so I want a genuine answer. Um, sure. Like, mm-hmm. what would these additions do for you practically? Like, what what about the system would it solve inherently? I guess it would make the weapons feel a bit more worth it. Because again, this was a problem with Breath of the Wild, where it's like you go to a cave, you find a cool sword, but then you don't really want to use it because then it would break. You know, if there mm-hmm. was just like, even if it was just like the base weapon, like just a normal, like a royal claymore, for example, it would be nice to know that like I could at least have something to fall back on. Like I can, like if this is getting, like if this normal base weapon is getting damaged, I can go to the shop or go to somewhere like a Terrytown, repair it. And then if I wanted to, if I wanted to play a little risky that you could like maybe add an upgrade to it, you know, and then I guess it's kind of like that would make kind of like a risk reward kind of thing. I don't know if this is really answering your question, but like it would just make the the weapons that you have feel more worthwhile. I'm genuine. I'm just curious because I've never had as much of a problem with the system or like mm-hmm. really at all. Honestly, when I was playing Breath of the Wild, it didn't it only occurred to me retrospectively that there were problems with it that I'd subconsciously encountered. Like when I played Tears of the Kingdom, it kind of made me realize that there was a lot of chests that were just useless at the end of the game that I think that Tears of the Kingdom kind of remedied by having a superior system. But like Mm -hmm. now I'm playing Tears of the Kingdom and I genuinely just don't have any problems using the weapon system. So I I guess I'm just curious Mm -hmm. to know Mm -hmm. that perspective. I'm actually completely in agreement with you, King. I thought that this new system because like ryan what you're describing is something that tbp tactical bacon productions calls the op paradox which is sort of the idea that if you have what the hell is it called in final fantasy an elixir like an a late game healing item that restores all of your health and all of your magic points Mm -hmm. and stuff and like cures all status ailments it's an item that's so good that you'd never want to use it because you want to save it for when you really need it, which is usually the final boss. And that's kind of a similar concept to what you're describing here, where like you have an awesome, you have like a royal claymore that you've attached a silver lionel horn to, right? Or whatever the top level lionel is. And it's like a base 90 powered weapon. And like, it's a really cool weapon, but if you use it enough, it breaks. So you want to save it for when you want to use it. So you don't want to use it for most applications. Yeah. Do I have that right? Yeah. And I totally see that because I hated the durability system when I first played Breath of the Wild. I'm kind of at the point now where I understand why it's there. It's to get you to experiment with weapons and you find weapons, new weapons and replacement weapons so often that you're never like under equipped or anything. But it is one of those things where you go from the old games where your weapons pretty much last forever. Like even in Skyward Sword, like the the shields had durability, but I think that was it. And that kind of made more sense than a sword. A sword is made of metal and metals, we use metal because that doesn't break as easily. It, it should last a great deal longer than it does in the wild games. But it's it's kind of one of those things where once you accept it and get used to it, this is my experience at least, it's like whatever. And I like this new, the way that, Totka handles it better. For one thing, I enjoyed seeing like all the different combinations yeah, of yeah. like horns and stuff that you could do. Like you had mentioned the magic rods, but it's like you don't need to have the magic staff or magic rods to make weapons that cast fire, electricity, or ice. Yeah, you could like attach you a actually, ruby to like a sword and it'll have the same effect. Yeah. Or you can use horns from the dragons, or you can use the fruits, or like Gliok horns. There's like a bunch of different ways the you can make those. And uh, 
when you attach the Gliok fire thing to the master sword, I you think have that a is, the, is essentially. the coolest fucking shit. Every time my master sword recharges, I put a fire Gliok thing on it because it, it's like fucking awesome. Also, like a flame saber. I want to make this clear, though. I'm not saying I dislike what they have here because I actually, you know, yeah. I agree with you. I, th- I think it's really fun to experiment and to see, like, what kind of crazy weapons you can make. I think that's genuinely cool. But I guess what I'm saying is that it doesn't necessarily fix the problem that Breath of the Wild introduced. You know, I think yeah. I think there are ways to make it better. That's that's really it. Yeah. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, like, I would it, probably agree that, there, agree with that there's certainly ways to continue to improve it. Yeah. yeah. Because I think if you're going to have a durability system, and that's why I brought up a durability meter, mm-hmm. because that was in Skyward Sword, and it's not in either of these games, it and I don't know why. It's kind they don't have that. I would agree. It's a pretty easy thing to simplify. You just need a, or signify, rather. You, like, you just need a little bar that shows how much durability it has left. And I, I think, I think that, like, if you go on YouTube and you see things like, oh, Zelda, uh, Tears of the Kingdom, or Breath of the Wild's weapon durability explained. Or, you know, this mechanic explained. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, the, if the game doesn't do a good enough job of explaining, like, uh, you know, how these things work, I think that's kind of a problem. You know, it's like if I have to look outside of the game to learn how something works, I that I don't know. That, like Xenoblade that rubs too. me the wrong way. <laughs> Blushy, crushy. Y- um, yes. But yeah, it's like. The reason I'm pushing for the meter specifically is I think if I have an array of like six different weapons that each have different horns and different reaches and different attack values and whatnot, the relative durability of each of those weapons would inform my decision on which to use. Because I would maybe want to save a a weapon that's close-ish to breaking for like a mini boss or something, you know, but it's just like you're just not given that information until like a weapon is like two or three hits away from breaking. Mm -hmm. And that that to me is kind of frustrating. But otherwise, I, I re- one of the reasons I really like this new system is that for me, it incentivized going into enemy camps and actually fighting enemies yeah. more. Yeah. Because like from what I remember in Batwa, it was like you'd go into an enemy camp and the enemies might have like the royal swords or whatever, which are one of the better weapons in that game as far as like the common ones. But it would always be like you'd break a royal sword trying to get one of those encounters done then you'd profit a royal sword as in this game each of the enemy types and different tiers have different horns which you can then combine with different weapons so it's like always like here here's another little ingredient to play with the next time you craft a weapon it made it more rewarding you get the base weapons and you get the horns and then you can kind of figure out how do how you want to mix and match those and then it means that like even if you get like a shitty base weapon if you have a good enough horn, you can craft that into a pretty decent weapon. So, like, you're never, like, up shit creek without a paddle. And it always means that the power of your weapons is always kind of, like... Because this, this game has, like, a system where as you play the dungeons, the enemies kind of advance in strength. Earlier in the game, there's more red Bakoblins running around, whereas by the end, there are more sil- silver ones. Yeah, there I think four. that there's... I don't know how the system works entirely, but... On my, I did another fresh save where I plan to do everything instead of just um, what I did in the first save. And I've only done one dungeon and every single enemy in the world is like silver now. So I, I think that I don't know how it works exactly, but I don't know if it's tied specifically to the dungeons as much as it's tied to like, I actually don't know. I need to look into that because yeah, yeah. pretty much every enemy I fight is the highest level it can be now. I think maybe because of my material level or something i don't know yeah 
I, which is a good way of like giving a game this open a difficulty curve and of ensuring that the player always has materials to build stronger weapons to fight those enemies. So I think the difficulty balancing was a bit weird in this game, though. Okay. Yes. Are we going to get into that now? Uh, before we do, there is something I actually kind of want to touch on a little bit, because one of the biggest problems that okay. I actually had with Breath of the Wild, uh, especially regarding the weapon durability, is that let's say you're fighting a mini boss and all your weapons break and you don't have any bows or anything like that. You know, that is it may not be like the most common situation you'd find yourself in, but the fact that it can happen at all is kind of a problem. Tears of the Kingdom. I remember that being especially bad with the shrines mm. in Batwa, where like you'd fight one of those big. Speaking of which, they don't explain a lot of stuff, but I guess we could talk about that when we get to the story, yeah. but like those big Sheikah robots that have like the arms. The guardians. Yeah, not the guardians, the little mini guardians, ah, gotcha. the, the smaller ones that you fight in the shrines. Mm -hmm. Like I remember losing like three or four weapons to those things sometimes, <clears> but go on. But the fact that that can happen is kind of a problem. And Tears of the Kingdom goes in a bit of a roundabout way of doing it, or maybe not roundabout, but like, you know, it does like a weird way of doing this, but this actually fixes the problem. If you get all of the Yiga pieces, like, of, or all the Yiga armor yeah. pieces, and yeah. you go to the hideout near Gerudo Village or Gerudo Valley, you can actually learn the earthquake yep. technique. Yeah, the earthquake. Yeah. When I found that. It's the earthquake <laughs> technique. That, that is maybe one of the actually, coolest secrets in the game. Yes. You can get the thunder helm there, too. Yeah. It's fucking cool. Yeah, when I got to the point where uh, you go see, what what's her name? Re Reuge? Reju? Reju. Reju. Yeah, when I first met her, I wore the thunder helm. I'm like, hey, you want to do something about this? <laughs> you can't take <laughs> it from me. This is mine now. But yeah, no, I thought that was a genuinely well, cool thing. Well, technically, that was a second one that the Yiga synthesized by studying the original. Oh. So she still has the real one. Man. I have a question, actually. If you wear the Yiga outfit, do they stop ambushing you? I never even yes. thought to try it. But <laughs> And here's a fun tip for you guys. If you suspect that a character is a Yiga in disguise, drop some bananas in front of them. They'll go, ooh, banana. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. I never actually tried doing that, but that's funny. But, you know, it's like and you can actually talk to them like there there are tons of them in the underground, like pretty much every Hylian you find in the underground is Yiga yeah. in disguise. And if you wear the Yiga outfit and talk to them, they're like, oh, were you sent from Central Command to help me out at this location? They'll talk to you as if they're also Yiga. By the way, so it's kind side of fun. note, I love that the depths is like the Yiga hideout, the new Yiga hideout. Yeah, it, it's yes. really cool. I think that's really cool. But I think it's cool that, like, there there's something like that in this game, like the earthquake technique. And admittedly, I would like to see more stuff like this, because that was one of my favorite things about old school Zelda is, like, in Ocarina of Time, you go to the Great Fairy, you get Den's Fire or Nehru's Love, you know, like, optional. We'll talk about the Great Fairy. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Game. We got some, I got some shit to say about them, too. But, like, I, I like <laughs> that they kind of tapped into that a little bit. I just wish I could, you know, there was a bit more that they did. There's always a bit more yeah. that they can do, but. The fact that it's even here at all, it's it's something I, I very much appreciate. So, yeah, difficulty. But what I thought you were actually going to mention was the uh, that you can disguise yourself as enemies and then they won't fight you. Disguise yourself as what? Like wearing the, the Bokoblin mask and shit like that? Yeah. yeah. Those are regularly rewards for uh, the Bubble Frog yeah. gem side quest. Yeah, those were I mean, in, those uh, were Breath, in of Breath of the Wild. But yeah. Well, I never... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah Kilton and Breath of the Wild stuff Kilton about Breath of the was Wild, the one. I don't know apparently. Kilton ran the shop instead of Colton in Breath of the Wild. That's how you got the Dark Link outfit in Breath of the Wild. Mm. 
as like we've talked about kind of the overworld we've talked about the combat mechanics the new mechanics i do really want to talk about the difficulty balancing so i guess yeah, let's, let's just go do ahead that. and do it I, I, I want to state again for the record, I really enjoyed this game. I enjoyed it a lot more than Botwa. Like I said, I'm probably going to call it my game of the year when the time comes, when we do our end of year podcast. But the difficulty balancing in these wild games is just, it's just flat broken. Like, and I would argue that it's actually gotten worse in this game because they add, for one thing, you have 40 hearts instead of 30. So everything has been kind of rebalanced for that. Then you have the the tier four enemies, the silver enemies, which can like I showed a clip of this in my Twitter where like I was playing the water dungeon and there was a level four construct. It quickly hit me with a stick, like a regular stick, and it took out eight hearts and I had like level 11 armor. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about the great fairies, but this is before I had figured out how to unlock the great fairies and actually upgrade my armor. So like I had like. I was wearing like the Zora chest piece and the Hylian armor set. Otherwise, like the helmet and the greaves and like they still managed to take out eight hearts from me just by hitting me with a stick. And that was just kind of the point where I was just like, what the fuck is this? I like the idea of having level four enemies and introducing more of them as the game goes on. That's a good way to create a difficulty curve. But this was a problem in both Breath of the Wild and this game. When you start out, you have three hearts. You get one extra heart from doing the tutorial shrines where you unlock your mechanics and then they just dump you in this world. And then it feels like until you can do enough shrines to upgrade your health to get, I don't know, like three or four more hearts, everything just kills you in one hit. And like, that's just how the game starts. And I want to say the first armor you can find or buy is like at lookout landing. And it's like hundreds of like a hundred rupees for like teeny tiny, a bit of boost and defense. And it's not really enough. And then, like, as the game goes on, you're fighting more enemies, they're getting tougher, and the game makes it way more, because I want to say how it works in Batwa is, you get to Kakariko Village, and then you can immediately just go up the hill and unlock the first Great Fairy, right? Mm -hmm. That's how it works? Yes. In this game, you have to undergo a long-form side quest to unlock each of the four Great Fairies Mm -hmm. and actually upgrade your armor. And it's not super clear unless you look it up online how you're supposed to do that we could talk more about that in a bit so it was kind of like for the longest time i couldn't upgrade my armor and the uh, the hylian armor set was just the best i had and i was still getting my ass kicked and in this game like let's look back at some of the earlier entries for a moment right like link to the past that game is pretty challenging because the game is more linear, it can have like a straightforward difficulty curve where as you get more hearts, the enemies grow in strength or complexity to kind of match that. So you have a consistent difficulty curve, or even as you get stronger, there's more, there's new and more challenges to kind of meet that. And that's what helps enforce a flow state during play. And like, even that game doesn't have my favorite difficulty balancing in the world, but it's a lot better than this game is. And then like, then you get into some of the 3D entries, like Ocarina was okay-ish in terms of the level of challenge and then you get to the gamecube ones and they're pretty easy honestly like i love twilight princess but that game is like a walk no, that in the game park is really the care bears yeah i love it too and but that game is like <laughs> it's really easy no teeth and it's like i feel like that's what they were trying to do with these wild games was trying to kind of correct that problem and give players a real challenge again because like even when you play twilight princess hd and play hero mode 
that doesn't really fix it. Like enemies do more damage, but you just respawn in the same room you were already in. So it makes no difference, which is kind of true for the wild games too, I guess. But it's like, I, I appreciate that they're trying to give players more of a challenge. I think that's a noble goal. In my opinion, it takes too long to unlock more hearts, especially since your light of blessings or whatever they're called also go towards stamina. And as someone who hates going slow, that's <laughs> the thing I'm going to upgrade first. So like, and then yeah, it takes certainly like other reasons to upgrade stamina in this game. And you need like 20 lights of blessings to add one ring of stamina and then another 20 for the third one. And like in the meanwhile, you're not upgrading your hearts. So while you're running around, enemies are just one shotting you all over the place. So which means that I didn't feel like fighting any of them. I didn't feel like fighting any of the mini bosses, especially. So I just ran past all of those trying to get more shrines so I could get my health up. Hopefully I might find a piece of armor in a cave somewhere that might help out. Meanwhile, they're great fairies and I don't know how to interface with them because something about a newspaper, but I don't know where the newspaper is yet. So I'm still looking around. So it just felt like what what I'm trying to say is I kind of hated the first 10 hours of this game after you get to Hyrule, because that's the point where you're really weak. The enemies are too strong and you just don't have the health armor or anything to deal with them yet. So you kind of have to grind shrines to get yourself to a place where everything can't just one shot you. And of course, there are tricks to get around it. You can stockpile on fairies if you can find them. You can you can use potions to try to boost your defense or whatever. Like there there are little tricks to kind of help you or you could just not get hit. I'm sure there are plenty of the people in the comments saying that as well. But it's like for me, the parry timing is weird. It doesn't work like there's like one shrine where they give you a tutorial on how to do the parry. And I kept pressing it too early somehow or too late. Like the timing was weird. The flurry rush works a little bit better, in my opinion, so that's what I tend to rely on, but it's still, it's like, you get hit once, you just die. And I feel like the way to solve that problem is to just have a difficulty select. Like, Mm. I'm sure a lot of people like this really punishing difficulty that's in the game, so leave that in, and then add an easy mode. I really And I'll pick the easy mode. I mean, this isn't like adding an easy mode, necessarily. I wish, (laughs) I wish they added like a harder difficulty but not master mode i say that specifically because i fucking hate master mode and i want a harder difficulty but not one that is like that because i i think master mode's kind of dog shit not gonna lie but it kind of sucks that there's only one difficulty mode yeah see okay because you were talking about like how both of these games uh, breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom have difficulty problems i think it worked better in Breath of the Wild, because let's say you're going up against an enemy that has like a really powerful weapon, and then let's say, you know, you parry that enemy, the enemy drops a sword, you run over, you pick it up, now that really powerful weapon is yours, and you can you can dish out some pretty mean damage. I found that in this game, if you try doing that, you will not do as much damage as these enemies are doing to you. So it almost feels like as if the enemies are playing by a different rule set. And I don't like that. Yeah. And a lot of that, again, has to do with the fact that these weapons are, they're, they're weakened. So an enemy can walk up to you with, you know, a weakened traveler sword, hit you and do like five hearts of damage. No, no problem. But yet when you have that same sword, you're barely dishing out shit. Like you're not doing anything. And it yeah. just, it doesn't, I thought it worked a lot better in, in Breath of the Wild because it didn't really have to deal with this eroded weapon nonsense. But in this game, it's like, nah, it's, it's, the enemies have an advantage over you and it doesn't exactly feel fair. And also with Breath of the Wild, 
you are able to upgrade your stuff a lot sooner because you literally yes. just have to scrounge up some rupees, give it to the Great Fairy, and then you can start upgrading your gear. The thing is, though, is that like I actually like the side quests that you're doing, like in terms of the story that they are telling, the things that you're doing. It's fun. Agreed. But it's not, I don't think it's good to lock gear up, a like, critical system behind it yeah like being able to upgrade your equipment so that way you can last longer you have to do that so many fucking times and it's like it's it's kind of like what i was saying before it's like i think there should have been a weapon like a blacksmith or something like that to help fix your weapons i think there should yes. be a tailor <laughs> there should be a tailor that like where you can the go Taylor swift yes <laughs> yes we've come full circle but this i i honestly think there should be a tailor to like upgrade your gear it's like we, we, i want to see a mod for tears of the kingdom that replaces zelda with taylor swift <laughs> but it's like you know we go to Terrytown and or or any of these towns and like they they're all selling like all sorts of different armor but like you mean to tell me that no one knows how to like make this stuff a little bit stronger we have to I go to a great fairy and do this thing think it couldn't hurt yeah it's like, what would you do for the gray fairies then? Well, give us more magic abilities and shit like that. Give us cool shit. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. It, yeah. I would probably prefer that actually as well. It's yeah. like, these are things that are in other games for like, you know, Tears of the Kingdom has crafting and like upgrading your gear and upgrading your weapons, but other games follow a specific template, but they follow that template for a reason because it works. And this is just like the yeah. stuff that Tears of the Kingdom does. Cool ideas, but some of the like the necessary stuff, like upgrading yourself, it's you have to jump through so many hoops when you don't have to do that in other games. And it's just yeah. it's mm -hmm. I don't know. It's like the stuff that they have you do, again, like the side quest for the Great Fairies, it's genuinely fun and it's creative. But again, I, I don't like how it's upgrading your gear is locked behind something like that. Because, like, I mean, I was in the same situation. I'm like, I don't know how to, like, how to unlock the Great Fairies. I had to look it up. Dude, you know? I, I'm going to level with you. Until my second playthrough, I didn't even unlock any of them. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Although, in my experience, it, it made it more fun because I'm a masochist. Mm -hmm. But, you know. <laughs> which is fair. You should be allowed to have that experience, which is why I think difficulty Yeah, I certainly think there compromise. should be more difficulty options yeah. available. And I think whether that be I'm through like a straightforward toggle or through more uh, like wide ranging game design, however they want to do it, just make it more broadly customizable. If you had Taylor at that point, it's like, OK, you know that this thing exists. If you don't want to use it, you don't have to do it and you're making the game harder for yourself. And that's the thing, yeah. too, is that like this is not by any means a perfect solution or anything, but I at least appreciate that you can still do the classic Zelda thing of just not giving yourself heart containers at the very least. Yeah. I've always appreciated that about Zelda. That's actually what I did in Breath of the Wild. I didn't use any of the champion abilities at all. And I, I didn't do a three heart run or anything, but I didn't do all the shrines. And I only had like six or seven hearts through that whole thing, I think. That was cool. Mm -hmm. Certainly not a perfect solution by any means, but I'm glad that that's at least still a thing that you can do if you really want to. Yeah. Like, I think the way that they handled it in Skyward Sword, like you had the, I forgot what his name was, the guy with the mask in the Skyloft market. The guy with or the like mask. Like, you could visit him at various points in the game, and then you could upgrade your weapons and, and oh, items and the, stuff. The oh, like the blacksmith. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, I say you can upgrade to one tier for your weapons or your armor or whatever. Let's just say armor, because we're talking about difficulty balancing and, like, the ability for Link to take a hit. By default, you can upgrade one tier as long as you have the cash and the materials to do it. Keep that from the Great Fairy system. 
but he can't upgrade further tiers until you've played more of the dungeons. So like each dungeon, you unlock a new tier. Yeah. And then you can make the enemy stronger to compensate. And then the difficulty can progress. Because like that's that's really the big problem with a game this open. It's really hard to create a golden path that the player will follow and have that path increase in difficulty. Because the player can go anywhere, wherever they want, whenever they want, for the most part. Because you get all the mechanics up front. And that makes it difficult to create a difficulty curve. So kind of the only thing they can do is use the main story progression as a way to ramp that up. So that's it's kind of the best compromise they could probably come to. Because, yeah, the older games benefited from being linear in that sense. But, yeah, that's difficulty balancing. Let's talk about the UI and the controls, because I have some gripes there, too. Why, why don't you start, Ryan? Because you were talking about that earlier, the UI. I mean, I, was, I pretty much said anything that I needed to say. It's, it's hard. It's clunky. It's hard to navigate. Oh, here's something else that I don't understand. So, like, let's say you're trying to build something. With the Zonai yep. objects, and let's say you accidentally, for one reason or another, pulled out the wrong thing, and it, you, you can't put it back. So, like, let's say if I accidentally pulled out a rocket, and I go back into the game, that rocket is just wasted. I can't, I can't ever put it back in my inventory, you know? Yeah. And I don't know, it's just... I don't. Exo, you're you're better at talking about this kind of stuff than I am, frankly. <laughs> you know, I, like again, like I said, what I needed to say. Like I think no, it's clunky I totally and unintuitive. Record before we talk about this, I think the UI in both these games is fucking awful, mm-hmm. and I <laughs> will always stand by that. I think they they wanted to make it like seamless and accessible, but it just even there were moments in Breath of the Wild and sometimes in this game where my brain tripped over itself trying to remember how to do a certain thing. Yeah. Because it's it's like, yeah, it feels arcane in a few senses. Like, it's fucking weird. Well, I, I would say I agree with Ryan and something I might have added to the game is the ability to encapsulate any Zonai objects you come yes. across. <laughs> yeah, that would have been really cool. Yeah. So that you can save them for later because they're otherwise you just have to spend your Zonai charges on those vending machine things, which works well enough but it's like you come across a lot of zonai objects that you just don't end up using so a way to encapsulate them and use them later might have been neat and that would solve the problem of you open a capsule by accident yeah, you know you put can it back. get that from like a great fairy or something yeah exactly cool. so like you know that's not something you have by default but it's something you can unlock We're that's helpful but game. not critical for progression let's go <laughs> i mean i think fuck we didn't even talk about like the building mechanics in this game <laughs> and that is sort right. of such a huge thing too we could talk about that next after we talk about the ui sure. i think the, the biggest problem with the ui is that materials is all one giant list for one thing so you like you have food gemstones horns monster parts bugs and then meat and stuff all in one giant block of stuff you have to scroll through every time you're looking for it and i think one thing that would have really helped is use the the triggers and the bumper separately, you use the bumpers to go to like the materials menu, and then you press ZL and ZR to scroll through different types of materials while you're in the menu. So if you want to cook something, you go to the food section and you grab that stuff. If you're looking for monster parts, there's this section for that. If you're looking for gemstones or rocks or anything else, there's the section for that. Because like 
there were times where I would look for a Zonai charge and I just couldn't find the fucking things in that giant list because I wanted to drop them into the vending machines. So what I ended up having to do is kept pressing Y until it sorts by category and then scroll all the way to the bottom because that was the only way I could reliably find them. So that sucked. When you're attaching something to an arrow, I really like Ryan's idea of you create batches of arrows ahead of time yeah. and then just swap between them. Be like nice. I think so that you don't have to tap up to add a shot well, yeah. to your arrow every single and time. And I think that they probably, I have a feeling that if they had more time, they would probably have added a few things like this because auto build is already in the game. Mm-hmm. And that seems mm-hmm. like something they could easily have whipped out for like fuse, for instance, to like whip out a bunch of fuses. Auto fuse. Yeah. And he, he, here's um, another yeah. thing that, because again, like I, what I was saying before, it's like, I don't understand why they had to take away old tools. It's like, why well, don't I understand why they had to take away the shock arrows, fire arrows, ice arrows? You know, it's like, if anything, what they could have done, let's say if you had like a shock arrow, let's say that did like five damage. And then like, oh, hey, but if you attach like an arrow with a zappy fruit, well, th- maybe that does seven damage. Or if you use a topaz, that does 12 damage. So then that way you still have the old stuff, but like you're encouraged to do the new thing because it would do more damage. It's like that way you have both things. You have the old stuff, so then that way you're never shit out of luck, and then you also got the new stuff if you, if you want to experiment, you know? It's like there was no reason Personally, for them to take I, away the I old stuff. I actually preferred this system because, I mean, it's been a, probably a few years since I last played Botwa, but what I recall, fire arrows, ice arrows, and shock arrows were actually pretty rare and hard to come by. You could you could buy them in towns. Yeah, but they were, how much were they? I honestly, I off the top of my head, I don't know, but I would, I remember, See, I would just buy them in bulk. It's interesting because I never really had a money problem in Breath of the Wild. I didn't really mostly either. Mostly because, like, if you sell, like, diamonds, you get, like, a fuck ton of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. And it's still a thing where you have to find those gemstones first and well, then I, sell so them. For the record, like- I agree that I pretty much just, I would prefer it to be the way that it is in the sense that, like, I see what you're saying, Ryan. I get it. Um, but I also think it'd be a little clunky to still have those arrows existing alongside ones that you can make yourself. Mm. I'm not saying it couldn't work. It just, for me, probably would be a bit inelegant. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's like the way it is currently you have to like hold up and then scroll through a giant list to find the thing yeah. that you want to attach to your arrow. I appreciate it that it at least cursor remembers where you were, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a pain yes, in the that fucking does help ass. A lot. And there are also ways to like sort the inventory to where it's like, oh, the most used, the most powerful, things like that. Which helps, yeah. yes. If that shit did not exist, then it, this game would be significantly worse, I think. <laughs> you could not sort, because holy shit, sorting, mm-hmm. that really fucking helped. Speaking of fuse, fun mechanic. I've already praised. I, I really like making weapon combinations in this game. The, I think fuse. The UI sucks. Go wait, ahead. Hang on, fuse. Which one is? We're not talking. To, that's the one where you attach things to your weapon. Yeah, oh. that's the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, Ultra Hand's the one I'm thinking about. Never mind. Okay, yeah, keep keep going. So like, I love making different weapon combinations and finding different horns and stuff. But the UI is terrible. At least as I understand it, the way I would have designed it. I would have given the player the ability to do it from the menu, like the pause menu, because like the way it works, as I understand it, is you go to the materials page, you scroll through your materials until you find something you want to attach, you drop it, you equip the rune, and then you attach it to your weapon. Yeah, I, I feel like well, you I should like be that, able to that do that, that from the pause menu, like an auto fuse, where you could also do it with arrows and shit in your menu. Because I think it works fine as it is in terms of like you can pick stuff up off the ground that it's already on the ground. 
but it's really annoying to have to also take it out of your inventory just to do it. So having both yeah. of those would be very nice. And it, it would help, like, especially during those Colosseums in the depths. There's one where you fight, like, four Lynels. That was, like, yeah. the hardest thing in the game. Has anybody fought um, King Gliok? I fought no, I did. I fought a couple but of those. I, I, I've encountered him, and it's not fun. I fought him underground. Yeah, those things will kick your ass. That's how you get you the Cap of Twilight, actually. Really? Yeah, it's under, you, yeah. It's under Typhlo Ruins in the depths. So Shit. Yeah. Those those things are hard as balls, but uh, like when you're finding that that Lionel Coliseum, they're dropping their horns and stuff. So it's like, and I of course want to use those horns to fight the Lionels because they're going to be the only thing strong enough to do any decent damage on them. But the problem is, I have to try to figure out how to fuse the things to a weapon while the Lionel is attacking me. And if I could do that from the pause menu, then that tension goes away. I mean, like I guess you could argue that having to do that stuff in real time, that tension is good. Personally, I'd prefer the convenience of being able to do that from the menu, but that's just me. I think yeah, it couldn't hurt are, to have that as a thing that you could do. And um, I also found that if as long as I'm getting nitpicky, I also found that like trying to scroll through your quests was kind of a problem too. Where, yeah. like you have like the five categories, but they're on the left. Like usually how this this kind of UI works is you have like L and R scroll through one type of tab, and then ZL and ZR scroll through another. And that usually works a little better. But it's it's like if you're trying to look for a specific quest to try to remember what it is that you need to do, it's going to be kind of a annoying. Yeah, yeah. I think we really should talk about Ultra Hand. Yeah. Just because yes. I'm, re- I'm looking at our time and I there we still haven't talked about dungeons or story or like. <laughs> can I make. Uh, so we should probably. Can I make um, a suggestion real quick? Um, if anything, if time is pretty tight, we could save the story discussion for a separate like for a part two. If need be, how much do we have to say about it? I have curiosity. things to say about it. <laughs> well, yeah, but I do too. But like, how much? <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Let's kind of do a quick lightning round on dungeons and ultra hand. Okay, what do we want to talk about first? Ultra hand? Uh, probably ultra hand. Yeah. Yeah. This. Yeah. This thing saved the game. Like, I mean, I already liked the game enough, but this game was the one that made me realize, like, nah, this game is. This game's fucking incredible with the kind of things that you can do. Yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. even usually like super creatively minded person in terms of like I would always when I played Minecraft, I would kind of just build my house into a cliffside because that was it was easier to mine into the ground that way. So like I, I'm not really like one for like creatively building shit. And yet this game is built in a way that kind of at least for me and probably for many others can like will that out of you because I was building shit that I never ever thought that I would do like I was building giant mechs I was building like airplanes it was like there was a Boca Blin camp that I wanted to raid and I was like okay I'm gonna make like an airplane that's like a, a bomber with cannons on it and I just like flew it in there and like blew everything up it was the the ability to do shit like that for even the most like Because in Breath of the Wild, you would look at this expanse, right? And you'd be like, okay, what's my options to get through here? Uh, You can walk or you can use your horse. And that's about the extent of it. Unless you're a speedrunner and you want to fucking wind bomb or something. But in Tears of the Kingdom, it's like, okay, well, here's this great expanse. Um, I can run. I can ride my horse. I can build a mech. I can build a motorcycle. I can build an airplane. I can, like, it's actually insane the amount of, like, this is why I described the game when I beat it as you get out of it exactly what you put into it in the sense that like this mechanic 
will not resonate with everybody just straight up it's not going to mm-hmm. there are probably for you exo as well i'm not sure i'm not going to speak for you but this does not seem <laughs> like something that you would experiment with greatly if i had to guess but you want my answer to that yeah i mean yeah <laughs> i mean like i've seen some of the things that people have built in this game like there was a clip doing the rounds on twitter of someone who built like a tom and jerry trap yeah <laughs> for a baco blend like it picks up a weapon and a cage drops on it and yeah. sh- shocks him to death and i want to say that Abif made like something to harvest rice mm. or something or he shared a clip of that a lot of people have built a lot of really cool amazing things and <laughs> i think that's neat if I was, because like when I was a kid, I used to play with Legos and build things all the time. Yeah, like a, it has that appeal, actually. I never thought about it like that, but yeah. But it's like I built a little Bowser out of uh, Legos I, I had just lying around, and he was pretty cool looking. Because back then, Nintendo didn't want my money and didn't make Mario Legos until I was like 25. So, f*** you, Nintendo. <laughs> you could have had my money much earlier, and now I'm too old for that stuff. If you're an adult who plays with Legos, that's fine. That's not what I'm trying to say. But like, it's, it's like if I was younger and I was playing this, this might be my favorite game of all time. Minecraft as well. But it's like as I've gotten older, I've become kind of more utilitarian in kind of the things that I build with crafting systems. For the most part, in terms of building, you know, crafting my weapons, it's like, yeah, you can attach a minecart to a gnarled bat and hit people with that. I was content to just use the horns because that got me pretty reliable results. And that same principle kind of applies to the vehicles I built. Like I built a little like Humvee and that was pretty fun to like just drive through the Hateno grasslands and stuff and like nothing can stop you. Like driving the vehicles was fun. Like I, for me primarily, I liked the build puzzles and the shrines because that's kind of like design content. Like here's some ingredients, build a solution to this puzzle we've given you. That was fun. And I liked it for building vehicles to get around faster because I always felt the navigation in Botwa was pretty slow. Like even with fully upgraded stamina, it's just like you run slow. That's the thing I didn't mention when we talked about the UI, the control schemes. You get a choice of X or B for run and jump. And that's it. That's how it was in Botwa. And it's like you want to put run on the triggers or the bumpers so that you can run and move the camera at the same time. But there's just no option to do that in Batwa, and that should have been the very first thing they fixed in this game. Like, just have an option for a control scheme. Like, just swap runes between L and X. So, L runs, X does runes, and B jumps. And, I don't know, maybe you have a couple of options there. And that fixes that problem right away. I feel like if they playtested the game at all, they would have found that the run controls were uncomfortable. But I digress. I didn't have to run around as much because as long as I had the zonite necessary for the auto build, I could build a little glider. And that's how I explored most of the depths. Because I just mm-hmm. built a little glider with the fan on the back and one of the control sticks, and then I could just fly over everything. Dude, we haven't even talked about the fucking depths. <laughs> I forgot the depths existed. We Jesus didn't even Christ. really talk much it- about the sky. <laughs> I mean, there's. We could talk about that next, I guess, before we get to dungeons, because dungeons kind of feeds into that. But it's like. I liked the vehicles for navigation. There were some really fun build puzzles as well. Was I experimenting with all my pieces just for the hell of it? Not really. You're right about that, King. But I do think it's neat that you can do that. Yeah. Like that's I'm not going to begrudge anybody's enjoyment of that. Well, I, I think certainly, it's cool that like, it's there. I did not build as elaborate of a machine as like the Twitter users have, which are really funny. I, I 
fucking think it's hilarious that the first instinct every player had was to bully the fucking Koroks. I think that is absolutely hilarious. When I saw that you can crucify a Korok onto a cross <laughs> and parade it around, <laughs> I knew, I just knew that this game was something special. And that's yeah. not even talking about the fucking attack drones that people made or, or like, the Metal Gear replicas that people have made. <laughs> this shit is fucking yeah. nuts. And it's like, I'll, I'll be honest and say that, like, I didn't really, I didn't experiment all that much when it comes to, like, creating things. Because, like, once when I made, like, a couple of machines that, like, took me to where I need to go that were effective, I just saved yeah. it and I was able to, like, put that away and just, like, I was able to rely on those. But, like, I see shit like that and I'm like, I want to make that. I want to make, it, it makes me want to get back in there and just, like, see what kind of weird things I can make. Because that shit is so cool. People but, kept making yeah. boxy men with giant flamethrowing yes! dicks. <laughs> I, saw th I saw this one dude who made like this rocket propelled cage and he launched it at a Gleok and it pushed the Gleok into Lake Hylia and it fell into the whirlpool and it fucking <laughs> died in one hit. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> well, I saw one where somebody made like they put spikes on a thing on trampolines. So that the front of the vehicle would like the trampolines would push the spikes together and it would be like a garbage trap from Star Wars, if you know what I mean. Like they would close in <laughs> the trash compactor. Yeah. Um, and they would just run into Lionels and like smash them. A bunch. <laughs> <laughs> That's this is why actually when I first beat Breath of the Wild, there's no chance in hell that I'm making a fresh save file after that. Like I love Breath of the Wild, but like, no, uh, I needed time. Tears of the Kingdom, I beat the game. I did quite a bunch of shit, a lot of fucking shrines, a lot of Koroks, a lot of, a lot of things. But then I was like, uh, I'm going to make a new save and do things completely differently. And that was an impulse in almost entirely driven by like Ultra Hand because I realized that like, like it had all the benefits of Breath of the Wild where you can do anything in any order. So obviously you can do things in a different order, but you can also yeah. completely, not only is the world much larger in like, that has two entirely new dimensions to it, but you can explore it literally, literally in any fucking way that you want to do it. And the appeal of that was so strong that I immediately started another save. Let me ask you guys a question. And this may seem a little bit random, but there's a point to it. Did y'all ever play My Sims back in the day? No. No? A little bit. Okay, a so, so y'all know what it is though, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was kind of cool that Tears of the Kingdom is kind of a remake of My Sims. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How you can make your house like brick by brick? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I was doing that last night. I was building my, like, <laughs> I was building my house. And what I did was that I made up like square rooms in the middle. I put two like staircases up and up. So it has like three layers. And because the, admittedly, the system is a little finicky. Yes, but it's very finicky. <laughs> I found, I found a way around it where, um, I could put my gallery and my study at the top of my house in a way that fit. But the way that I did it was instead of putting a staircase, I just can ascend to it because it's my secret study and only mm. I can get in there because I can ascend <laughs> in there. And I was like, holy Your shit. secret base. That's so cool. I made my own ascend puzzle <laughs> in my house. That's so fucking cool. You know, it's like, I feel, I, mean, I love this. I love this mechanic. It is so cool. It's clunky. It's cumbersome, but it's, it's. Just the fact that you can do something like this is incredible. And like, if we are getting DLC for the game, which I hope we are, and I'm sure we are, they, I, I want them to add more stuff for this house yeah, mechanic. Be pretty cool. 
it's like it was well, for the house and maybe even just zonite devices yeah. in general like yeah like that'd be really cool this game is like prime made for this kind of thing it's just give us more tools to play with please <laughs> like i did not give two fucks when the season pass for botler came out i completely ignored it especially since master mode looked like something i would hate <laughs> i fucking hate but- master mode dude it is like <laughs> it's like is the definition of a band-aid solution and it it doesn't even work it just falls right off i i hate it so much but with this game if they made dlc i'd be ready to jump right back in yeah like i i'm actually looking forward to more of this <laughs> so considering where i was with botwell only a few years ago that's that's a hell of an improvement to make <laughs> in terms of me enjoying this enough to want more of and it and you know it's like i think a big thing about this game too and the thing that like i like it about it so much is that I mean, there's a culture around this game, and some of it can be toxic. It's like when you got people who are saying, like, like, oh, hey, no, I don't really like this game that much. It's not for me. You got people like Zelda fanboys raging and attacking this person for, of course. you know, yeah. it comes with the territory. But just seeing that also, if you do that, uh, fucking stop, you're you're delusional. But the fact that, like, you know, there's so many people just like spreading the things that they can make and just seeing people like. While I was playing this game, I was watching Vinny Vinesauce play through the game as well. Like, I would just have, like, his uh, his streams, like, in the background while I play the game. And, like, every once in a while, I'll just, I'll glance at what he's doing. And, like, he's in, like, a shrine that I did. And I would just, like, watch him do the shrine in a completely different way that I did. You know? Whether it was, I like, the- I had a directive on my second playthrough yeah? to every time I entered a shrine I had already done. I was determined to solve it in a different way. And that had about a 95% success rate. Mm-hmm. Because there, are, admittedly, there are a few shrines that are pretty. Like you just, there's nothing else you can do except the thing you have to do. But for the most part, your options are pretty fucking vast. So yeah. yeah, and that ultra hand definitely enhances that for the overworld and even for the shrines. Yeah, uh, you are limited in the shrines in the sense that you can't bring shit out and build it. But like, there are so like you like there was this one puzzle that it's like oh you have to like launch a ball and then you have to like make a ramp. To like launch this ball into like this hole. I literally just took the pieces to make the ramp. Instead of making a ramp, I made a bridge. So the ball just went right in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know that you actually reminded me of a thing that I like about the shrines in this game in comparison to Breath of the Wild, which also just kind of speaks to how fundamentally stronger the mechanics are in general, is that in Breath of the Wild, a lot of the shrines were kind of just like because your tools serve a very specific function. It was just kind of about they made a bunch of puzzles for them. Yeah. In this game, mm-hmm. that is true to an extent, but it feels kind of like every shrine is like it's teaching you a new way you can use your abilities. And I'm thinking yeah. about when I first learned what a stabilizer does was in the shrine where you have to make a catapult mm. with them where you have to catapult balls across chasms by using a stabilizer to launch it. And that blew my mind because I had never, I looked at the stabilizer earlier in the game and I like hit it and it just stood up. I was like, well, what the fuck? I'm never going to use this fucking thing. What the fuck is this? (laughs) And then I did the catapult shrine and I'm like, holy shit, you can make a fucking catapult with this thing. And later when you want to make like a mech or something that needs to sit upright, you use a stabilizer in like the middle of it because it will it will make the thing stay upright. It won't wobble anymore. And I was like, holy shit, it's, it's fucking cool. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Indeed. Ultra Hand's pretty fucking rad. 
That's all I gotta say. Let's talk about the depths in the sky. Uh, you know what else? Real is quick. Cool? Yes. Not Michigan right now. It's fucking eighty-two <laughs> degrees. <laughs> Let me check to see. I guess I should be thankful I'm not coming there Let this me summer. See. Oh, it's eighty-seven degrees over here, Florida. Yay! I thought it'd be much worse. No, it, it's been raining a lot. Hmm. Yeah, the more you know. So I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I actually didn't really care all that much for the sky. I I. Understandable. It pains me to say this, Ryan, but I kind of agree with you. <sighs> it really pains me to say that because I am like resident sky lover, city in the sky, my favorite dungeon of mm. all time. I fucking let I I want to write a story about like sky pirates Bio one sky day. Zard? I, it's like one of my favorite things. And Skyward Sword fucked it up so bad. And I was looking to this game. <laughs> I was looking to this game and I was like, they're going to finally do it. They're going to make it awesome. And it is decent, but it kind of sucks in a lot of ways. And it, <clears throat> it really upsets me that that is the case. I don't think the sky is bad. And I do think there are yeah. some, like there are these giant floating balls in the sky that are pretty cool because like usually you you find those and they have like a really interesting puzzle i remember there was one that was by the gerudo area and there's like this really cool like mirror light manipulation puzzle that was really fun there's a lot of puzzles where you have to find a crystal like a green crystal you have to find like how to get the crystal from like one island to another that'll unlock a shrine which will give you a blessing you know those were pretty cool there was also the Dragon Sky Island, which you have to do for in terms of like, you know, in order to progress the plot. And there was also getting to the Wind Temple where you have to like jump on the giant boats on their on their sails. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. But I guess there's just a lot of repeated content because there are a lot that's of yeah, the that's big thing really what it comes yeah. down to. is that there's too much repeated content. It actually kind of startled me how like I kept going and going and I'm like, I have seen this like eight times. It really bothered yeah. me like a lot, actually, now that I think about it. Because pretty much what you have is maybe like 10 stock islands that they kind of mix and match for the different archipelagos. Like there's the one with the rotating launcher yeah. on it. There's the orb one. There's the one that's shaped like a flower that has the stone, the tablets on them. Yeah. And it's like after a while, you've seen it all. And then it's just kind of like, okay, I guess I'll just grab the couple of shrines I haven't done already and clock out. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it, it's unfortunate. It kind of actually links into one of my biggest problems with the game. Probably my biggest problem in general with the game is that I wish there was, I'm not going to go into this too much, but I really, really wish there were more things perhaps in the sky like Hyrule Castle from Breath of the Wild. Yeah. I think that would have helped make the sky feel more populated than it currently is because there was as it that stands, one there's sky castle. That was kind of neat. That was like yeah. the one really interesting unique sky island Which in the one? game. Well, I really I more like that. Stuff more like that. Yeah, definitely. I think another problem with it is that there are dungeons in the sky, but you can go to them and they will introduce you. Like it, it'll be like this is the water temple or whatever. And I've done this. I went to the water temple without even like talking to or whatever, right? Because you can just fly up there. But if you try to activate the terminal because of the way the game is designed, it just won't let you do it. And it is 
extremely unfortunate that this is the case because it means that a lot of like not maybe not a lot of there are two gigantic things in the sky that you can do nothing with unless you start the quest on the ground mm-hmm. and it is a little bit unfortunate that that is the case because there is a clear case of that not being the case with one of the dungeons which you can do at any time and it is really unfortunate that, that is the case because it means that those two things may as well not exist because they're their own they're just like a story thing that you have to start somewhere yeah. else and it 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 makes the sky feel like an afterthought honest to god and yeah. it really i fucking hate that that's the case I, I i really really wanted it to be more important than it was i'm not even saying that it's bad I think that the challenges, even though it is really, really copy-paste environment-wise, I did have a lot of fun ferrying those green crystals around. I think there were a lot of cool challenges. Mm -hmm. It just really, really sucks that they couldn't have done more with it, I guess. I mean, there's something to be said when it's... Like, I mean, honestly, it's just, it's more, like, it's a lot of fun. Like, when you make, like, a giant, like, a giant aircraft and you're just, like, blazing around through the sky... Yeah, Even yeah. if you're not like doing anything or going anywhere, it's just the act of flying of itself that that's fun, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, certainly. you know, it's like going all the way up from the very top and going all the way to the very bottom of the depths. Again, I said that before, but I think that that is incredible. I think it would have been cool if there was more stuff to do in the sky. But like at the same time, I think that exploring the sky itself, even if it's because I mean, dude, you're fucking flying. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, and that's I will really say- cool. I will say, even though it is a huge disappointment, I this is a situation <laughs> where I can't look a gift horse in the mouth because they gave me the fucking depths and I fucking love the depths. It is exactly my kind of vibe and uh, at least they fucking gave me that. I'll take it, whatever, because I love the depths is like exactly my kind of like, this is really spooky. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> why I love Dark Souls. It's like that kind of vibe is exactly my kind of thing and the depths definitely fulfilled that. Um, much, much more than yeah. I would have gotten from the sky. So, and it's weird because it has a lot of the same things. Like there is a lot of repeated content in the depths, but I think the act of exploring it is more is stronger because it feels like it's a dark world. The more you learn about it, it pretty much <laughs> is this game's equivalent of a dark world. The theme to the dark world. Oh the my theme god! To the dark world. <laughs> like, cause how all the light roots correspond with where the shrines are and shit like that, mm. and. Mm-hmm how mountains make valleys and like you can't pass water sources and that makes the depths exploration way way more interesting because you can solve navigational problems while you're in the pitch black dark because if you in your mini map if you set it to the land map it will stay that way on your mini map and you can use the land map as like a, a like yeah a navigational device because they they mm-hmm. correlate to each other one to one so, you know, you're like, oh, why can't I pass this giant wall? It's because there's water in the surface. And that's where all the water drains down to. It's fucking, it's, it's incredible. And I do think maybe there's a little bit too much repeated content down there, but there's also fuck, a fuck ton more of it. And the Zonite is much, much more valuable. And it just feels, I don't know, it feels treacherous. Everything down there like takes away your max fucking hearts. There's also the it's, Yiga content, mm-hmm. which yeah, is yeah, fun. Yeah. I think it's just a much more impressive showing down there overall. I guess I just have like one minor, very, very, very minor disappointment <laughs> when it comes to uh, the depths. Because one thing I actually like about Tears of the Kingdom 
And if you look at the art book for Breath of the Wild, you can actually tell that the, like a lot of uh, cut mechanics and cut ideas for Breath of the Wild actually made their way into Tears of the Kingdom. One specifically yeah. that rings to mind is uh, there was a concept art for Breath of the Wild that had Hyrule Castle floating in the sky and you see Ganondorf standing on top of it. It's the most metal shit ever, right? <laughs> they also had uh, scrapped ideas for Guardians. Have you seen those? No, no, I don't think so. They are the most raw, most fucking metal things I have ever seen. Let me see if I can pull up an image real quick. I will put it up in the edit. And if DLC's a thing, I want to see these. I want to see these things in the depths. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> those Dude. are like Metroid Prime. This is like some shit out of the so mist. Cool, my favorite- Yeah, that'd be so cool, though. My favorite one is the one in the bottom right. Like, just imagine yeah. exploring the depths. And you, you just hear, like, loud foot stomps, and you turn around, and you see that thing staring at you. That would be... It looks <clears> like the, <throat> the arachnorbs from Pikmin. No, that would be really cool. I think, yeah. I love these things! I love these things so much! <laughs> Look at the giant they, crab! They definitely, if they wanted to, probably could have played up the terror yeah! a bit more of the depths. Because as it stands, like, I think it is still pretty, like foreboding down there oh but. yeah absolutely when i saw like a, a corrupted lionel i i shat my pants <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when i saw a king corrupted king gliok down there what? i had a moment yeah that's that's where you get the cap of twilight oh under twyflo ruins it's a corrupted king gliok Fuck! <laughs> yeah i did a little more than shit my pants i i was like uh i need to come back in a bit <laughs> yeah that's what happened with me too <laughs> I ran across that and I was just like, nope. Yeah. And I ran no, away. I, I yeah. knew there was the King Gleok in the sky. I thought that's what you were talking about. Oh, no. No, 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 no. I, I actually haven't fought that version. I fought the corrupted one first. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so, by the way, kind of a tangent, but seeing a Gleok fly in the distance scared the fucking shit out of me the first time I saw it. Because the, the ice one just flies around. Mm -hmm. That scared the shit out of me. Because you just... It's this giant dragon, and not like in the long sense where the dragons that fly around, but it's like a big mm -hmm. girthy dragon that flies around like it, it's nothing. Like it can just do that. It's basically <laughs> Ghidra from Godzilla. Yeah. It's got the three heads and it's shaped more like a European dragon. There was a time it was flying around and I was flying on my airplane. I, I, I dived down to it. I have footage of this. I dived down <laughs> to it and... I went into bullet time, shot three of its eyes. It plummeted from nearly the sky to the ground. It took out like a third of its health bar Dude. from the fall damage. <laughs> and that was maybe one of the coolest things I've ever done in a video game. Not a lot, not even, not an exaggeration. I mean, I, it was fucking awesome. I thought the Gleok boss fight, or just like the Gleoks, because I've only ever fought like two at this point. I think this might actually be like my favorite Zelda boss encounter ever. It's fucking awesome. I think it's so fucking cool. I mean, then again, like, the fact that it's a dragon helps, because I think dragons are metal. It's all hell. <laughs> Even Spyro? I, I think Spyro's a cool little dude. I haven't really played <laughs> Spyro, but he's a cool little guy. I'll fuck with it. Why not? Looks like I've got some things to do. You sound like as if you want to show me your flipper trick. Well, yeah, in that sense, I wish, I wish there was more enemies or like bosses on in the depths that probably would have been the perfect place for it because yeah. like i think the frox is cool but i wish there was more than just him because the rest are just corrupted normal enemies basically you can and uh, uh you can rematch the dungeon, the dungeon bosses, bosses. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes you can 
Which is cool as well. Yeah. Definitely, I think there could have been some more unique creatures down there that were a little scarier, maybe, because the frogs are cool, but they're not scary. No. <laughs> they're, they're, the little ones are really cute. I like them. <laughs> and you could put Diababa down there. Yeah, that would be cool. Tell you what, though, when I saw a redad in the Gerudo area, I shat my pants. I didn't know those were a thing. That was the perfect place to put them. Oh, yeah. Like, holy shit. Because they're not very threatening enemies, but like... When you're just walking around in, like, the sandstorm and one appears, uh, this scared me a little bit, mm-hmm. not gonna lie. Yeah. I think they're okay. cool. They're pretty cool in the depths as well. And I also want to say, before we move on from it, the depths really tapped into my Minecraft sensibilities in the sense that I will spend hours at a time down there just mining fucking zone. I mean, this game is essentially <laughs> Minecraft, if you think about it. it. It, it actually, there was a, <laughs> I think last night I spent, like, five hours in the depths <laughs> just, like... I'm really glad that everything gives you Zonite so that you just want to do everything, like even enemies drop it. Mm-hmm. So it really feels like everywhere you go is a really fulfilling, um, rewarding thing, well, even if, you know, there's like 10 mines down there. And you also got the pose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's cool as well. I wish that pose were an enemy, mm-hmm. personally, but, you know, as a collectible, I'll take it, I guess. Yeah. At least they exist. Yeah, it's kind of like what I was saying before, where it's, it kind of like adds a bit more to that Zelda flavor, because it could have just been like a Zonai spirit, but the fact that they call it a Poe is like, oh no, it makes it feel a bit more like a Zelda game, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Did we want to talk about Dungeons? Dungeons! Okay. Yeah. We gotta <laughs> talk about these things. I'm not sure there is much to say. Uh... King, you were tweeting about this. Why don't you start us off? Um, I agree with you. Which tweet are you referring to? Where you were talking about the dungeons. Now they're basically just divine beasts again without the beast part yeah so the dungeons right i've seen varying takes on them i think they are better than divine beasts but i, I don't really know that i buy into the hype that some people feel about them like i don't really personally get it because i got a lot of pushback on this but like i really do think that they are kind of just divine beasts and I don't mean that in the like aesthetic sense. Obviously, the benefit of them is that they don't all look the same. I get that. I appreciate that. But also, and I remember somebody, <laughs> this is probably just the case of like, the, uh, there's always going to be one guy that disagrees with you. But somebody was really confused when I was trying to explain that they are mechanically the same. And what I mean is that you, you in the Divine Beast, you go to five terminals and then you fight the boss. And that's what you do <laughs> in these dungeons. like. I don't even necessarily mean that in a demeaning way. That just is the case. They're structured exactly the same. There's five terminals that you go to in any order you want, and then you fight the boss. Mm-hmm. Like, really, the, the, the way that they've switched it up fundamentally is that I think that they are a lot more aesthetically pleasing, for one. They all have unique boss fights. And th- those are important things that make them, I think, better than Divine Beasts were. And I think that their puzzle design for the most part, is a little bit more like navigationally interesting and a little bit more, because of probably the ultra hand mechanics and stuff like that, a little bit more thought-provoking than they were in Breath of the Wild. If I can add something to that, mm-hmm. like before you even get to the dungeons, you talk with one of the, you get partners essentially for each of these dungeons. Yeah. And each of these people have an ability. I have seen people equate these abilities 
to having an item from a Zelda game because they're used in the same way in the sense where it's like you are using this ability to progress with the dungeon. I think on paper it's the same, but in execution it's you walk up to a thing, you you know, you go up to your character, you press, you know, you activate their ability and then you activate the terminal because that's how you do it. You just activate the terminal by yeah. using their abilities. Like you don't use their abilities to solve puzzles. You do it to flip a switch. Yeah. And I think that's different. Yeah, yeah. Certainly. So I'm walking a fine line here because I do like these dungeons actually. I struggle to think that they really are some of my favorites across the series. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think like really what it is, mm-hmm. and, and sorry to interrupt you, is that like when I think back to like the Arbiter's Grounds from like Twilight Princess, for example, like that feels like an interconnected labyrinth full of puzzles it really gels it feels like a real place and that the experience of exploring that has a fundamentally different feel than like the fire temple in this game or even like the water temple where it's just like they're small because you can do everything in the same order i understand why they're built that way that's just kind of how this game is the kind of vibe it's going for but like without a golden path through these dungeons like an unexpected path that you're intended to go on, solve puzzles along the way. It doesn't really feel like a dungeon. It just feels like you took four or five shrines and kind of mashed them together into an arc shape, if that makes sense. And it's it, it's it's a fundamentally different feel from dungeons from the older games. Yeah. I also think with linear dungeon design, like how we had in the other Zelda games, I feel like you can do a lot more to make them stand out. You can give them more interesting set pieces. And I think in that sense, like it makes it more memorable because like I'm just looking back at the water temple in this game. And I just remember being plopped in this like <laughs> the water I, temple. I think the water I, temple I is the this, worst yeah. one. That one, I think, is definitely the worst one. It's like some people say the wind temple. I don't agree. I think the water temple is, I guess, if you count the lead up to it, it makes it a little bit more interesting but like the actual part where you're doing the terminals is like i did not really care for it at it all, just feels like a bunch of crap thrown together with no cohesion nothing you know and I if i may I was, use an expression mm-hmm. it's it's like all the individual elements of like say the water temple like there's that one puzzle where you have like the spinning thing and there's a switch yeah. inside it you have to hit the individual puzzles are fine. The pieces are fine. It's just they don't come together into a satisfying mm-hmm. whole. Yeah. Basically, yeah. It has the same... Because, like, I think it solves some problems I had with Divine Beasts, but still maintains the feeling of them just... They feel like a bunch of shrines thrown together. And it's a little bit unfortunate that, that is still the case. I think that I would have been more okay with them being like that if, one... There were more dungeons like Hyrule Castle yeah, to supplement these. And two, if you were truly allowed to do them whenever you wanted. Mm-hmm. I was reading an interview where their guiding philosophy for this game, especially after Breath of the Wild, was to truly make the most open experience they could where you feel like you could go from the sky to the land of the depths or just basically to do anything. And that rings true for everything except still the dungeons. And it really, really annoys me that this is still the case because in this game, there is a dungeon you can do whenever you want to do it. And 
it feels like there was a compromise that they felt like they had to make in the sense that you needed to do the traditional buildup with the the sages to get to their dungeon. And so to do that, you have to go down and you have to talk to them and you have to do their events and you have to do their story thing. And it makes the dungeons feel like really even more out of place, especially because they let you enter them. Because at least Divine Beasts, you just can't enter them. They don't let you do it. So it's like, okay. But in this game, you can enter each of the dungeons, except I think like the Lightning Temple. I don't think you're allowed to go in there. But the other ones, like I, I flew up to the Water Temple, did the terminal. It just, there's a red X. You just can't do anything there. You can solve all the puzzles, but then you can't activate the terminals. And it's really jarring that they let you do that. Like it, it just feels really weird, especially because as I said, as long as you have enough hearts, this is what I did. The second dungeon I ever did was the spirit temple because you can just fly in there. And that's what I did. I was like, what's this place? So you just fly, you fly into the, the doorway place. And I had enough hearts. I opened the door and all of a sudden I was in a dungeon and I was like, holy fucking shit. That was awesome. Like, <laughs> and it didn't make you do any weird bullshit beforehand, which I understand why it's there and why they wanted you to do it. But I almost wish that they had thought that they, it just wasn't there in the same sense, or it was structured differently, or they allowed you to do it like in any way that you wanted without forcing you down a path. Because as it stands, it's like the only main piece of content that is built that way. Because you can still do mm-hmm. the thing in Breath of the Wild where you beat the game whenever you mm-hmm. want. And yet these things are still glaring, weird remnants of how Zelda used to be. And they just don't well, really fit mean, in the same puzzle. You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't yeah. fit. And I agree with that. But I think if I had to speculate on their what they were going for, I think they were trying to keep it like the other games on purpose so that people like me who are more of a traditionalist can still kind of get that experience as well. Yeah, but um, if, certainly. But it's like I it agree felt with like you. as if they kept the worst like parts I'd, of that kind of stuff, though. Yeah, because that that was the thing with Skyward Sword was like you want to do the dungeons because those are the fun parts, but then you have to do a bunch of fetch quests until the game decides that you can move on with the stuff you want to play. Like yeah. specifically, like I mean, I liked the build up for. I mean, I, I like honestly, the more I'm thinking about, it, I think like just the Water Temple was the worst like just the low point of the game because like even just the build-up to the water temple was just so boring like you know you're running around trying to clean up goop with and then you're in the sky with the slow moving atmosphere thing which isn't really ever explained in some areas you could just like gravity isn't really much of a thing which is weird i wanted to mention this this game doesn't seem to understand that water has surface tension (laughs) and if you dived into water from the sky you would die (laughs) yes (laughs) <laughs> you break like there was a Mythbusters episode in the first season of Mythbusters where they drop a crash test dummy from the top of like a building crane into like a harbor because the myth they were testing is, hey, if you drop a hammer into the water before you land, it'll break the surface tension. and You won't break every bone in your body. Uh, didn't work. The fucking crash test dummy, which is made of metal, it has a metal skeleton, broke its leg off when it hit the water. If that was a human, you'd be dead. <laughs> True. There's a moment at the end of the game that just had me it'd just be like, what? But, like, the point is, it's just, like, it felt like as if this game wanted to have its cake. It wanted to be, like, this op- like this blend between, like, the open world and the more linear structured Zelda games. But, like, it didn't go all the way, if that makes any sense. I yeah. think that to go all the way, they need to make the dungeons like Hyrule Castle. They just have to do it. I agree. They have to pull the Band-Aid off and just do mm. it. 
Because I think if that were the case, then this would have worked perfectly. Yeah, I agree completely. That's basically what I was going to say. Because that was kind of my thing initially with Botwa, was that I was just like, there's not enough traditional Zelda stuff in it. Now we're at a point where this new formula of Zelda has developed more, and I see the appeal of it more. And that being the case, traditional Zelda dungeons don't really fit in it. And I would like to see more open-ended dungeons like Cairo Castle, where the fun is more about like finding little pieces of lore and like seeing like, oh, people, this is the library. People used to do research in here. And oh, the king has a secret study. That's what made Hyrule Castle fun. Because, yeah, um, I can like, I think straight up the bosses are really cool mm-hmm. and they're way, way better than the blights were. Yeah. And imagining like Queen Gibdo might be one of my favorite bosses in the series now. That fucker, like, holy shit, that fight was cool. Especially when I did it, which I only had like four parts. <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> holy shit, that fight was hard. And I think that that would have been even cooler if that dungeon was more like Hyrule Castle was, it would have been fucking uh, awesome. You know, okay, so I actually, I think the only temple that I didn't like was the water temple because like, it just felt like as if none of the pieces worked together. But like, I think the others, maybe fire temple excluded because I wasn't really fond of that one either. But I thought the wind temple, I thought the factory construct or the construct factory, I thought the, the lightning temple specifically was the best one. While they weren't the best in the series, I thought they were pretty good on their own. And I would like- I would agree with that. I'd like to see these kind of dungeons. I wouldn't mind to see them come back. I do think that they are a step up from the Divine Beasts. So I would like to see this kind of approach that they took. I'd like to see them at least give it one more stab to like really flesh it out more and to make it more, I guess, you know- Try to give it a bit more of that traditional Zelda flair because I feel like that they were trying, but they also wanted to keep it like Breath of the Wild or like how it was in Breath mm-hmm. of the Wild. I-, I feel like as if this can absolutely work, they just need more time to iron it out. I think and- it could work. I don't think they should, mm. is my thing. Yeah. I think what I would do if I were Mr. Nintendo is keep the bottle formula, keep making games like that for like the main 3D entries, but just take the Link's Awakening engine and just make traditional zelda games as well just on the side just have both and then you can have if you want your traditional zelda dungeon fix you can go play that and structure it like link between worlds since yeah people want i their think non-linear I mean, ideally Definitely. i would like to say link between worlds but like 3d like that kind of game but just sure you know with the 3d environment yeah like i'd, I'd be all for that as well i just think i think there's a merit to this new mm-hmm. formula which is something i probably wouldn't have said like six years ago but there's a merit to the old formula, too. Like, people still like Ocarina of Time and consider it one of the best games ever made. Yeah. I don't, but people like the older Zelda games still. And there's still an appeal to there. Like, they wouldn't have kept trying to put traditional Zelda-ish elements into this into this game if there weren't people asking for it. So, like, if you just make... I feel like those elements kind of feel out of place in this new formula. And I feel like it would be better for everybody if, if you just have both types of games. And like you can make the more traditional ones smaller scope to accommodate, you know, development overhead and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe that's sacrilege for some of the people in our audience. I don't know. No, I think they should rip the bandaid off. <laughs> I really th- like because I at this point I have come to terms with what Zelda is and they need to play to its current strengths for that to work effectively. Because the further back we try to pull things the more out of place it's going to feel 
I'm not saying we have to abandon everything, like, because there are still things in Tears of the Kingdom that came from the old games, obviously. Yeah. But, like, structurally, there are some things that I feel like are much, much harder to make work than a lot of the new ideas that they have. And I I think Mm -hmm. part of the reason I'm so insistent about this is because there was really not an equivalent to Hyrule Castle in this game that I can really think of. Personally, I would say the caves, especially the one that goes from lookout landing to the castle. Mm. It's not really scratching the same itch. You know what I mean? It is structurally the same, but it is not like a. it is just kind of like there's like the royal passage, I guess, which is kind of long and cool. But I wanted something more like it's a location. It's like a castle or something. I thought that maybe you'd be able to enter more of what's it called? Akala, that's that place. Thought maybe mm-hmm. there would be more under there, mm. but there just kind of was. You get like the fierce deity set in a cave. Caves are a good step, but I think it would have been cooler to have bigger buildings that had stuff in them. Mm-hmm. Which obviously probably could have just been the dungeons, but not having one equivalent and also having Hyrule Castle be kind of the same <laughs> with like new enemies in it. It's just a. Uh, <sighs> I'm not crazy. Hyrule Castle this is a felt bit of a, This is a bit of a... This is, it is kind of because parts of it were left on the ground. Yeah. And they block off a lot of places that were in it originally. Yeah. This is a bit of a spoiler, but I can't really talk about it anywhere else because it's not a story detail. But at the end of the game, they're in the files. They're, <laughs> there's a track called Ganondorf's Castle. And that is really uh. weird to me. Because that that implies that what is down there is his castle. And that it I thought the end of the game was fucking sick. Probably one of the coolest endgames. Really? But it was a little bit swift in the sense that in Breath of the Wild you could skip all of Hyrule Castle. You could do it. But at least it existed and you could explore it. In this game, it's kind of like, I really dig what they're doing with you start the game here and you end it Mm -hmm. here. That is really rad. But it is kind of disappointing that his lair is kind of just a series of hallways that you jump down. Yeah. I wish it was maybe a little longer, a little more expansive, because it really just kind of feels like you fall down there and you start fighting a bunch of enemies and then you fight him (laughs) and then it ends. (laughs) And I thought that stuff was really cool, but it just kind of felt like it got there. Basically, what I'm saying is I wish there was more types of dungeon. I just really do. Because as Mm -hmm. it stands, I don't hate them. I like some of them. And I think that they are definitely an improvement on the Divine Beasts. But they're still, they're not quite what I want them to be. So, Well, we have 17 minutes remaining, and I don't think that's going to be enough for the story. So it looks like we're going to have to reconvene at some point and talk about the story and other spoilery yes. stuff. Yeah, probably. Well, it, that's probably going to have to encompass like the final boss and shit like that as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, as well. Yeah. I guess for now, really enjoyed this game, even if there are some prominent flaws to it. <laughs> I guess where, where I would like to close out on is I was fine with this game reusing assets and content from Botwa because... I never really liked that game much to begin with, so I forgot a lot of it, and because I felt like it improved on that base so much. But the next game needs 
to be more original. You yeah. can't just keep using I, this, I think the they same high roll. Will do that. I can't see them doing a third one that is just this again. Yeah, I don't think that will happen. I don't think so either. But I do just want to throw that out there. It, it's kind of like it's the Force Awakens principle. It's like, all right, you redid one thing. Now do something mm. new. Yeah. Don't just do the same thing over and over again because that was the whole problem with Zelda in the first place is they locked themselves into a specific formula. There were alterations where like when Waker was on the sea, Majora's Mask had the time yeah. system. Twilight Princess had <laughs> Twilight Insects and Skyward Sword had the sky. Like they tried to vary it up, but like just towards the end, it just felt like the trend of those games was becoming more linear, more formulaic. And if they keep doing the same thing, with this new formula it's gonna get old as well because that's that is kind of a thing with this game where it's like the opening is the same you go do four shrines and then and you unlock Mm -hmm. all your mechanics they're roughly the same amount of divine beast equivalents there's an equivalent of the memories from the last game final dungeon is kind of a similar idea to the last game and if they just keep doing hitting those same beats over and over again it's gonna get old so they need to kind of shake things up a little bit structurally in the like, next I, game. I genuinely have no problem saying that I loved Breath of the Wild and I also very much love this game, more so than Breath of the Wild and I would love to see what else they can do regarding Tears of the Kingdom. Like, I would love to see this game get expanded upon, you know, DLC. I'd love to see it. But in terms of, like, the next game, I'm done with this Hyrule. <laughs> I'm done. You know, it's... Yeah. We, I think most people you know, are. Let's, yeah. let's see what else is out there. <laughs> it doesn't even have to be Hyrule. The the best Zelda game ever made doesn't even take place in Hyrule, you know? And those are the ones I find the mo- <laughs> the most interesting. Like Spirit Tracks I thought was really cool. Phantom Hourglass had a cool setting. Majora's Mask had a really cool setting. The Link's Awakening and the other Game Boy, uh, the Oracle games. You know, it doesn't have to be about Hyrule. Expand. Do something new. I'd love yeah. to see that. Yeah. That goes for the story, too, which we'll talk about yes, next time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And hopefully we won't have a fan fiction to interrupt us. Oh, we still have two more left we could read for the next part if you want. No! <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> you have any final thoughts, King? No, it's like, it's an incredible game, mm-hmm. I think. Still, I'm thinking about a lot of things, but in terms of what they wanted to do with Zelda, I think it is pretty damn a solid effort they they really i think almost reached the pinnacle of what they were trying to do with a lot of things that fell through the cracks but it's such a big game it's such an expansive game it's so dense it really feels to me like the things that i don't like about it are just dwarfed by the things that floored me about it so mm-hmm. and it's weird because these kinds of sequels don't usually appeal to me I was thinking about that. This is basically even more so than Majora's Mask was the Mario Galaxy 2. I was thinking about that too. Is that like it does in a lot of ways feel like a Mario Galaxy 2. But I I think that in a lot of ways, the things that Galaxy 2 was trying to be felt a little bit more like it, it was clearly intended on a smaller development timetable and they... It feels a little more to me like DLC than Tears of the Kingdom was in ways that I'm finding a hard time explaining properly at the moment, and it would probably take a long time to explain, so I won't explain it, but usually don't like these kinds of sequels, and the fact that I like it even more than Breath of the Wild is kind of astounding. So um, it's not 
the sequel to Breath of the Wild that I would have even wanted, to be honest. But yeah, they showed me something that I didn't know I wanted. Mm-hmm. So there you go. And also, mm-hmm. like, just want to clarify something too. It's like it's not like that the problems that I have are deal breakers by any means. It's more like a minor grievances, I guess. There was never a point where like the game was ever ruined, or I'm like, oh, I have to dock a few points for like none of no, that. Yeah, none of that. It was just like, oh. It, it was always forever. oh they could have done this better it was always stuff like yeah, that like yeah. it was never like something that was blatantly broken or just straight up bad it's just things that needed improving this game is very good and if you haven't played it I, you should even if it is 70 dollars. I, I i think it's worth it mm-hmm. like there there are tons of games expensive games i bought like i just bought parasite eve for 90 dollars. <laughs> i mean like this game is worth every penny. It's more expensive than the average Switch game, but you're you're getting the content to back that price up. And it's not even like bloated or anything. Like I it was one of those things where I just kind of after a certain point had to force myself mm-hmm. to stop. I I kind of kept going. There were a bunch of side quests I didn't do. I didn't build a house. Yeah. So like uh, yeah, I missed that. Yeah, that's what I one. had to do so we can do this uh, podcast. I didn't want to keep you boys waiting. There's still so much I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've only done like half the things that are in the game yeah. probably so for me like i did all the shrines i did all the light routes and huge chunk of the side quests and at that point i was kind of like all right i'm gonna go fight the final boss wrap up because it's been over 100 Wait. hours i've got so other then let me ask play. you something and if you answered this already forgive me in breath of the wild you got the tunic of the wild for beating for getting all the shrines uh what yeah. do you get for all 151 shrines if or yeah, I know what you get. Uh, what do you, what do you get? It's it's a it's like a furry costume. What? It makes it's you like, look like the it's sort it makes you look like a zonai or like the guy in the you know the tablet that depicts the calamity. Yes. It makes you kind of look like the the link thing in that. It's kind of hard to describe. It's kind of like a mix between Raru and that the like. Because it's called the ancient hero aspect, I think. The ancient hero aspect. And I think it's meant to depict the thing on the mural that Link is supposed to look like, um, fighting Calamity Ganon. Oh, I'm looking at a picture of it. What the fuck? Yeah, it it looks really weird. Yeah, it's kind of hideous. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And as for the light roots, you get a piece of paper. Oh. It's basically like a certificate saying, like, you lit all the light roots. Congratulations. It doesn't do anything. Blue coins. (laughs) (laughs) yeah if if i can love a new zelda game then that's that's kind Mm. of a miracle so that was our podcast for the day stay tuned for the story podcast coming your way very soon assuming we can get it out before you guys go to yeah we should be able to all right i'll see you all next time Bye. Bye bye see you Please check out our YouTube channel for playthroughs of our favorite games and video versions of all our podcasts. This episode was edited by yours truly, ExoParadigm Gamer. Check out the links in the description to follow each of us on YouTube, Twitter, and more. Thank you all very much for watching our podcast, and we'll see you all next time.